everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. If you have kids, are thinking of having kids, are currently a child, or ever were a child yourself, this week's episode is for you. John, Luke, and Tex talk setting up your wee ones for success in every possible way, from optimizing their school enrollment to ensuring that they don't become promiscuous little assholes disgracing the family name. As Luke and Tex do their best to science the shit out of parenting, the actual current father imparts wisdom that could only come from his experience. John acknowledges that planning for every possible scenario is a good exercise, but that simply being involved, being present and connected is the basis for tackling most challenges as a parent. John says, above all else, make sure that your relationship with your SIGO is rock solid. It's up to you and your partner to hold the company line against those tiny little adorable tyrants. Here it is, episode 320. software updated i just a joke i don't believe that at all it's like when callie was running like the first version of iphone i'm like are we on iphone 9 or 10 she's like oh i can't get it and so she threw her phone away and uh, got a new one as is tradition yeah updates nope throw it away update my phone just get a new one classic callie i guess is it time let's do it Tone Loke. Tone Loke. Medina. No, that's a wild thing. Oh, whatever. It's all one song. Whatever happened to Tone Loke? Uh, he's still... He was an actor. So when you... I actually pulled him up and saw his face. I'm like, man, that guy's in movies. He was in Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. He's the, the, the buddy cop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was you like, know, wow. he, he performs all the time at the Indian reservations all around Southern California. They'll be like, Tone Loke. Yeah, all the time. I remember driving like out in the Uh, IE, and you'd see on like the Pachango Indian Reservation, like marquee on the road, it'd be like, Tone Loke playing tonight. Do you want to hear something funny? I'm going to the bachelor party this weekend in Montreal, and we (laughs) are booked at a pool party featuring Shaggy. Shaggy? Yes. It wasn't me. That guy. So this is the style. Yeah, no, I know Shaggy. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't know Shaggy? I mean, we worship his whole collection. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking of Afro Man for a little bit, and uh, Afro Man and us have a mutual acquaintance who deserves to burn in hell. Uh, who's you, that? You who? don't remember who? Yeah, no, I remember the that went, went to high school. Oh, that's right. The catfish went to high school with Afro Man. Burn in hell. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you this. Revenge uh, is a dish best served cold. Cold. And we will have the opportunity to get back in front when we at the living catfish a, one by living a good life. For the listeners, there's one evasive little slimy catfish out there that's really going to get fucked one day. Whoa, that's aggressive. And it's going to be cold. And you know who's going to do it? That damn penguin. That's who. <laughs> uh, you Seriously. know, let's talk about Premier Penguin. Ing, ing, ing. Seriously. This guy keeps on tagging me and like laughing at my expense. I don't appreciate it. I don't know this guy. Mm-hmm. I prefer to know people. That are making fun of me. Uh, let me tell you, he uh, he's taken a what's the word? Uh, Liking a per like he's really picking a, like like gone all in on picking a bone with Tex. Seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's it's why not so I, much you. It's mostly your shoes, is from what I can t- gather on the account. 
So it must be you. Power Athlete Nation. Well, uh, if Luke is wasting all of his time photoshopping uh, Premier Penguin ing, 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 and mm-hmm. not getting this new website and all this other stuff, I, like while I appreciate mm-hmm. that level of dedication, I just don't know if it would be the best use of time. So you don't know if it would be, but you're not saying it's not. I was being very <laughs> ambiguous. I, I don't know if I could confirm or deny that it would be the best use of time. So you can neither support nor deny. Okay. So, so it may still be the best use of time, which is why maybe if it were me, I should continue to sink, I don't know, 50 to 60 hours a week into penguin research. Oh, and you were just talking to us about uh, sinking too many hours into our pet football project. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have the well, origin. You guys are, are raising a tiny football and you've named it Geppetto and you've called it the pet football and you're trying to feed it water, teach it to sit, and it's just a fucking Nerf football. So that's why I think yeah, maybe... But, uh, but it, t- today it's a Nerf football, <laughs> but what will it be tomorrow? Wilson. It's going to be a volleyball named Wilson. Like a Chia football. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's going to morph into a volleyball named Wilson. Huh. That's what so, we're trying to get it to. Wilson, great movie. I'm sorry. So I, I did dig up the origin of the penguin. So it was a- actually episode 260 of the premiere podcast in Strength and Conditioning when we had guest John Wellborn on. Oh, that's right. And you were Wait, making, what did you say to episode 260 of what? The premiere podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. Ing. We Ing. fucked it up. No, Ing. I heard it, and I resisted the urge to say Ing. I think I heard you say Ing. Oh, uh, well, Ing. I thought it. Like my, inter- my internal Ing? Ing. Callie. So like internal? In echo. Like internal cueing or external cueing? Uh, both. And Neither. Both. Oh. Whoa. Well, external, according to the research, is the most appropriate for the context in which I'm bringing it and thinking. <laughs> context is king in thought. Anyway, so episode 260... It was when John received an email from an individual about uh, creationism versus mm. um, evolution. Oh, yeah. yeah and John went into this whole penguin. How did they get on the ark? Yeah, I always they remember swim. that there are there are people that really believe that penguins walked from Antarctica to get on walked. the ark. They swam to get on the ark. Well, but at that time, Antarctica was connected to the rest of the world. And oh, if the Pangea. penguins knew then what they knew now, they'd be sprinting. <laughs> Yeah, but they can't. They don't really, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it forward. Oh, I got it. Because when their feet are out, they can't really run that fast. Right. They waddle. Yeah. Speaking of waddling, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and germs. Ladies and germs, welcome to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. I'm the guest. I don't have to ing. Okay, hang on. Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. Louder, they can't hear you. That was the intern people? No, he's fired. He got his first name. Um, the one opportunity he had to speak, he wasted it on that. He, For those of you who can't see him, he's crying. <laughs> well, it's because you had him put his hands over his head with a 50-pound box. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. Is complicated. that a saying? Lots of ins, lots of outs. Well, we won't, get, we won't give the intern too much grief. He's doing a great job, everybody. Um, well, he's very nice. He, yeah, stop right there. Okay. He so, listens. Actually, the intern is on a little bit of leaning protocol mm, and uh, is down significantly over two weeks. So we're trending positively there. Everybody round of applause for the intern. Yeah, Keep up the hard work. Good work. Um, enough about him. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that we have officially launched the premier podcast in strength and conditioning? Ing. Ing. I was drinking Shirt. Yeah. At shop.powerathletehq.com. Conveniently, for those watching, none of none us are wearing it. 
but you could imagine what it looks like, couldn't you? And maybe, just maybe, we'll put in some special effects to show you what that looks like right That's here. That's going to take away from your penguin account you can see as you can see this amazing shirt i'll figure out how to put uh, it in. i don't know if uh i mean luke's fairly creative but um i don't think that the level of creativity for the ing ing, ing is luke's creativity well the thing is so here's the thing ing, ing, ing. i'd get bored with that pretty quick like uh, I'd, I'd need some so, like some, when you condition yes exactly boredom sets yeah somebody who's really good at beating a dead horse and just Doing the repeater over and over and again. And just like grit, like and it has doing a the grit mindset over and over. on just... So Nate Austin then. All right, exactly. I don't think just so. Just would never let go. But he, um, I don't think he could fit, pull it off. No, he couldn't. But uh, John, I'd like to introduce... Well, okay, so yes, go to shop.powerathletehq.com, pick up that shirt, wear it proudly, and if you see somebody else in the street wearing that shirt, Ding. hip to hip, tip to tip, lip to lip, <laughs> you, gotta, you just got to smooch them. Just Lincoln Sink, bro. Lincoln hug? Sink, bro. Hug. I think what the Rick James lick to the side of the face. Which one? Oh, like, I think it was John Howard where we talked about. Oh yeah, belly yeah, hug. Belly yeah, hug. Yeah, fifteen seconds to relax. Yeah, do it every day. Still do it. A little awkward with Ashley's big old gut, but just do it from behind. Which, so you're linking Ooh. and sinking with the future child. I've just been cross body blocking her full speed, sideways. Hip check your yeah. unborn child. <laughs> well, the That's problem right. is, uh, Pecky, you know, her, um, uh, that, you know, the uh, ratios the are all off. So, like, if you were to give her a hip check or like a hip check, she's going down. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. She, like, the weight has shifted forward yet again. Like, isn't there a point where, yeah. like, the belly drops or something? That just yeah, happened. That's, uh, that's called, um, uh, like, getting into position. And all of a sudden, like, when you see it drop, like, the baby's getting into position. Yeah, so it was like this, and then it's like now. Yeah, it gets real low. Yeah, and so she's all fucked up, like, her hips yeah. and stuff. There's right. all this, like, weird old wives' tale where they're like, oh, the baby's turning, you know, like, getting into position. Yeah, and then she also got this brown line on her stomach. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? Uh -huh. Like. And that's, again, old wives' tales like, oh, it's buns, buns baked, like uh, get ready that's, to deliver. That's uh, something to do with like estrogen. Yeah, and then, but it's also like we started going to the pool too, and like being in the sun. No, Kate, yeah, so yeah, you don't yeah, think no, it's anything like no, that? No, Kate, Kate had that. All of a sudden, I remember she had this like weird dark line down her belly, and I was like, either that or I just figured it was like the uber stretching. But yeah. like, no, it's something with like estrogen. I can't mm. remember. But yeah, that's just a couple weeks away, man couple weeks away. So our guest today, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast, you may have heard about him before, uh, the half-brother to Jean Wilbournet, Mr. John Wilborn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the Premier Podcast and Strength Conditioning. Now, now, John, for those who may not have heard of you <laughs> that listen to this show, give us a quick intro of who you are. Oh. <sighs> Um, my name is John Wellborn. I am CEO of a company named Power Athlete and based out of here in Austin, Texas. And founder. And founder. Um, this has been my second life before this life. I grew up in Southern California. I was the youngest of three boys. Uh, graduated high school, played football, played sports, got a scholarship to go play football at UC Berkeley. Was fortunate enough to go there and graduate with a degree in rhetoric and then go on to my master's and then... Uh, from there, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles with the second pick in the fourth round. Um, went to move out to Philadelphia, played for the Eagles, came in and started as a rookie my first day, and then proceeded to start there for the next five years. And then that uh, at the end of my time at Philly, went to the Kansas City Chiefs for four years. 
and then uh, played my 10th year for the New England Patriots, and then injury ended up knocking me out. I came home and started working for this little company named CrossFit and taught a seminar for them and ran a program uh, based on power, strength, and speed for the CrossFit market for a number of years. And then uh, the parent company and really the the company that was behind it was Power Athlete. And then we, re- we ended our relationship with CrossFit because of a uh, bone-in Kobe Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, Power Athlete's been really running on all cylinders since about 2012. And, um, you know, we do everything from, you know, daily programming for athletes, but also mentorship and education for coaches through a methodology. We do a symposium. Uh, we teach, you know, uh, seminars and, uh, you know, run this podcast and uh, really just do a ton of information resources for not only athletes, but for coaches. And it's all based off of the philosophy of battle the bullshit. And if you guys follow our Instagram, then, you know, you see the be the hammer and eat the week and all the little um, really just isms or yeah, taglines just taglines that we've developed over the years that really just stem from uh things within my own personal life or things within my football career and uh you know just the things i see around uh around us but we're based out of here out of austin texas and uh thanks for having me i appreciate you guys uh bringing me on you got it so mccookin do you have an agenda at all for for today's qu- questions uh, more or less. So I, I know that some of the things that we discussed, mm-hmm. so to pile on to some of your questions, maybe some higher level, but playing off of John and I's call yesterday with that team, mm-hmm. I'd like to dive into building culture, but also connect that to a culture within a family. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one thing to be a coach, right, and developing these team, and you have the opportunity with young men and women that are coming from all different areas that are not your responsibility to raise, but you still have to groom and prepare them for the future, whether it's a high school to college or a college to real life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a different approach, but John's played with a lot of great coaches, played for with a lot of bad coaches, right? So how did that help shape his now philosophy to help develop a culture within his home, his roof? So yeah, connecting and I guess those two, but... On that note... Uh, for listeners who just maybe, I guess we take a lot of things for granted because like we live this life every day in the sense that, you know, our, our cadence is typically Monday through Friday, 6am show up, right? Train, come down to the barn. We're in the barn. We work on producing content. We work on mentoring our coaches. We work on, uh, programming we do these podcasts we connect with other coaches and influencers within this uh, and outside of strength and conditioning like it's just about like a huge networking activity a huge content production activity but for the most part we're with each other for 12 hours a day right Mm -hmm. so you kind of forget um we and we we forget about like all the stuff that john has accomplished in how what got him here but what we see is like John, the mentor, and then also John, like the family man, right? So one thing that you didn't mention is, you know, married kids, and I know a lot of listeners all know this, but I'm on the precipice of venturing into that space. And it's just an interesting shift in mindset where I think you have the option going into this point of like, well, I'll just figure it out when I get there. But I don't feel like that when I watched you uh, and with cash on the way and what little opportunity I had coming into when the girls were born, that wasn't your approach. Like it's prepare, do some research, be prepared, talk to people who've done it before, get some feedback from them, 
and then start to mold your own culture or philosophy, a lot like what Andy Reid, you were talking about with Andy Reid uh, just before the podcast. So that's what I'm hoping to dig into a little bit today, too. Mm-hmm. So, so I can selfishly. Yeah. If, if they're parallel connected, it's maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Right. Um, let me think on this one for a second. Um, I think being a parent is kind of a really interesting piece. Uh, it shouldn't be too complicated. Like, and that's a really kind of, I don't know, simplistic way of looking at it. But, um, like, what are the basics that people need in this world? Uh, and I kind of go like, the, as you guys know, I kind of try to look at things from a bigger picture. And then I kind of scale down. Like, I look at the, the macro and then look at the micro. And I kind of think on like, okay, if it's a family unit and you have a wife and you got kids involved, uh, as a parent, um, my biggest job in terms of like, you know, running a business, providing, doing that is kind of my dad role. Um, and it has to do a lot for me, especially with like me making sure that my relationship with my wife is solid because my wife has by far the most, you know, and that's just part of the deal. Like, um, as a parent, like I have a great relationship with my kids, but I'll never have the relationship that my wife has with the kids. And I don't, and that's not a bad thing or a negative thing. Like they, she grew them in her body and expelled them. Right. And, and like, like at the end of the day, like, uh, there's no way for that beyond. So, uh, she has a, a really interesting relationship with them and I don't try to have her relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I always think about like, as a father, you don't like, especially first father, you're like, okay, where do I fit within the grand scheme of things? And I think, um, and I, I spoke it, uh, when I was at birth fit, a lady asked me about this. Um, she was like, oh, you know, my husband has a hard time connecting with our kids. And she was like, you know, is there anything he can do? And I was like, well, does he wrestle with your kids? Like, what does he do? And I realized I'm like, you're using your relationship as a barometer for him. Like, that doesn't make sense. Right. Like, I'm like, I, I, I'm the dad. Like, uh, like my job is to come in and I like, I tease my kids, I tackle them. <laughs> uh, we battle, we fight. Like, you know, my son like, you know, runs out of the shower and like, you know, like, like, you know, shakes himself at me and like, you know, like wants to like come over and smash me. And like, if he, uh, likes to try to like, you know, battle or something. And my wife's always like, that's for daddy. Like there's just different roles and, um, I- I'm fine with that role. But I think as a parent, uh, the biggest thing I can do is have a good relationship with my wife because um, it takes a lot of stuff off the plate. Like if, if my wife is happy and secure and comfortable and, and um, you know, everything's pretty switched on with us and I feel like we're going in a good direction, I think the kids have a very good uh, op, you know, chance for everything to be successful. Um, I just think like going back uh, and just kind of reflecting on a lot of kids that I've known, uh, the kids whose parents were pretty switched on and seemed to have a good relationship all seemed to do pretty well. Uh, the kids whose parents fought and battled and was just this like really toxic relationship. I think those kids ended up having a very negative, uh, upbringing and it didn't turn out as mm-hmm. well. So like, I think from like this, it's like, as long as my wife and I can keep communication and stay in like a very, like a good, healthy relationship and enjoy each other's time. And like, you know, not to the point where like mom doesn't want to be around dad, dad doesn't want to be about mom and the kids are going to be around mom. So then you're not around your kids. Like it just kind of seemed like that. And then the other one is, is, uh, I think the more removed a father is from the life uh, of their children, um, and like, and I don't mean like heavily involved. Like, you just kind of have to be around. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just give you an example, man. Uh, Andy Reid. Um, I knew both of his kids, both of his sons. Uh, his one kid went to jail for drugs, and the other committed suicide. And the amount of hours that he worked as a father, you know, as a football coach. 
uh, you know, is just like, you know, 120 hours a week and you got 127 hours a week, you know, uh, you know, of hours, available hours. And I always thought that like, regardless of how successful you are and how much you say you love your kids, like having them around and being around you, uh, is by far the greatest, you know, opportunity to, to do that. Um, I try to, uh, you know, have some things that I do with each of my kids. Like this morning, um, you know, I, I got my daughter this like little like toy horse, but I told her she couldn't have it until she helped me load all the feeders and do everything. And it rained like hell yesterday. So then today, what did we do? We got up early. I woke her up and I was like, hey, we got to load those feeders because I want you to get that little horse. And so she came out and was super stoked. She came in and she got it. And so like just having something uh, unique with each of my kids is important outside of my wife and outside of like the other one. Cause I have twins. Um, and it kind of makes sense though, <clears throat> when you're talking about just having an engaged and positive relationship with your wife. Right. In the sense, I feel like that also offers an opportunity when you're talking about roles, uh, maybe not roles might not be the right term, but just understanding where you guys overlap and where you differ and just being aware, like having awareness of that. And I think that that then helps facilitate all these other kind of more tactical things in terms of having your special, like your connection with each individual kid and like where it's unique and where it overlaps. Right. And I guess in my spot, in my mind, like I totally agree with you on that. I would consider I have great connection with uh, Ash so like now it's about iterating. So when you came into, but it, the, it's it's going to change. So the dynamic of your relationship is going to change dramatically because mm-hmm. because for the last bunch of years it's just been you and Ash. Now all of a sudden you're yep. going to bring in this thing that's more important than that's yeah. way more important than you. Like like that will and it's just a maternal evolutionary thing. Like all of her focus goes on this child, and you become this like adjunct. You're like the plus one plus two, you know? Yeah. And I remember like, that was kind of a weird thing. Like, uh, you know, Kate and I were, you know, dating, we were married. And then like, all of a sudden you go from this, like, you know, our relationship to like, I mean, for us, we brought it, we had twins. So like, you know, there was like the girls, like my, my daughters, and then there was the dogs and then there was me kind of somewhere so, down. But going like, into- it, it's just, it, it just kind of happens. And like, as a guy, like you're used to kind of being the center of attention you know, with your relationship, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing? And you're around, and now all of a sudden you're like, you know, like Vinny and Louie are getting fed before John gets fed. Or, so, like, so it was, it was just, it was, it was a really interesting role reversal. And, like, if somebody doesn't tell you, then I think there becomes resentment. And you're like, wait a minute, like, I'm used to being the center of attention, and now I'm not. So then... Did you get a heads up before the girls? Uh, no, but I had to like realize his conscious decision. And mm-hmm. you guys would like, uh, it was like the moment I had with Derek Woodsky when we were sitting up at the table uh, for the um, talk to me, Johnny, at the symposium two years ago. And like, he like, uh, you know, the Woodsky's an impressive dude, super sharp. One of my favorite people to be around. He got up and he fucking was on point on our discussion. And I started feeling very competitive. And then all of a sudden I had this like weird fucking kind of out of body little clairvoyant experience where I realized like, it's not about you asshole. It's your opportunity to present this guy in the best light. Let him have his moment. And so like the same thing, like when I realized like, um, I had my time to be selfish. Like it's about these kids and my biggest thing I can do is, you know, support their mother and love their mother and like be like a good husband, but also be a good father and realize that like, just more people in the tribe and it's not, it it can't be about me. So I think where a lot of guys really struggle, especially with when the kids come in, because they feel like they're resentment, like they're not in as important anymore. And these kids, you know, this, and it's like, 
yeah, it's just part of the deal, man. So like, then going, so going into the girls, did you do any sort of recon? Like, did you ask your brothers about like what you're getting into? Did your dad give you any sage advice? No, anything like that? No, my dad was, um, my dad wasn't real big on advice. My dad was big on, uh, example. And, um, I do remember like my mom, uh, my mom is a hellacious ball buster and kind of difficult in a lot of ways. And, uh, so I remember, um, and my dad worked a lot, like just what he did, like his passion was work and he worked his ass off and he worked a lot. And so my mom was always very resentful towards my dad that he worked so much. So it, instead of like her being mature enough to look at it and be like, well, shit, this dude, like we have a life, everything's good. Like he's doing this. Well, like my mom didn't think that my dad's working was about like success or making money. She viewed it as like hiding from the family, which wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, like enjoyed the struggle and the battle and that's what he needed. And he was very successful with it. So it's like my mom's just lack of maturity to see like, Hey man, this guy's busting his ass for us. Like cut him a fucking break. Didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like my dad being like, you know, and I, I even said to my dad one time, I'm like, God damn, I don't know if I could take this much harassment. And he's like, eh, it could always be worse. You could be divorced. And I'm like, is that better or worse? He's like, a lot of times it's worse because you know, all of a sudden now, like, let's say you do get divorced, like you're home, everything goes away. This, I mean, then, then what you come home to, he's like, I, I got divorced once. It was awful. I left my kids behind and like, I'll never leave you guys behind. And like, I heard that and I would like all of a sudden the respect of my dad, like shot through the roof. Cause I was like, fuck, he was more conscious of like, um, you know, a father in the family, regardless, like I'm not leaving you fuckers behind. Like mm -hmm. your mother can bust my balls and be hard to deal with. But like at the end of the day, I'm not leaving you guys behind. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a, a great, uh, you know, I, I'm forever thankful that he stayed around and he was as involved as he was. And so I thought with, uh, with my life, I'm like, you know, these are my kids. Uh, my job is to raise them and, uh, I can't do that remotely. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, uh, either understand that the roles change. And I think a lot of dudes just don't figure that piece out. And then the other one too is, uh, um, I don't know how emotionally switched on people are in that, uh, they see this thing happen. And like, I think I've told you guys this before, man, like people are selfish. And I think that selfish people probably shouldn't have kids. And if you're like a selfish person where it's always about you and it has to always be about you, like maybe having kids isn't the best thing to do. And um, because when all of a sudden these kids come in, they're innately the most selfish beings on the planet because they don't know any better. They just know survival. Right. So then if you have a selfish person who's like, it's all about me, it's what I want at all times, then that doesn't really gel well. Like, uh, um, you know, like the, uh, the proverbial Dave Tate, um, you know, talking about his biggest regret was that he slept on the other side of his house when his child was a baby because he didn't want to be woken up in the middle of the night, uh, because he didn't want to affect his powerlifting. And I read that and I was like, man, uh, my fucking heart breaks for you that you didn't have the emotional understanding to say that like a rite of passage of a parent is like the sleepless nights of like getting your child to sleep and feeding him and doing all that. Like, uh, like as awful as it was, and you guys will hear me joke about it. Like that's the rite of passage of every parent and to realize that like, I'm going to sacrifice for, for this child. And then like realizing that, you know, lifting weights in a hotel ballroom with 25 people watching for power lifting was more important than, than that experience. Mm -hmm. Like, and I even think I posted on there, which I don't really post on Instagram, like comment on Instagram. I'm like, man, I'm uh so sorry that like ashamed, but like also like I feel pity and sorry for you like uh, that 
that was how you thought. And like now here he is all these years later realizing what a mistake he made. So um, I think just recalibrating your mind and realizing that like the most important thing is the success of your children and realizing that a family unit of a mother and father allows your child for the most success and realizing that I can't be selfish and it's not always about me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, supporting the mom and making sure she's happy. And, um, you know, as a father, feeling fulfilled, uh, feeling like you're doing something. Because I think a lot of times dads just feel like adjuncts. And uh, I was reading a whole thing about, like, you know, um, in family court and divorces, you know, 98% of the time the the, uh, the children go with the women. And then the women use the children as kind of weapons and their dads don't get to see right. their kids. And then, like, there's this whole thing with, like, suicide. I'm reading this whole thing and I'm like... Man, either, you know, maybe there was something that maybe initially you shouldn't have had kids or if you did, like, where did it go wrong to get at this toxic? So like a big thing I try to do, and you guys have heard me say this, I try to never say anything that I can't come back from. Mm -hmm. Like, um, that's a big thing with being married. I remember years ago I was, uh, with a couple and they were, they, they had a couple drinks and this dude and the wife started arguing and the things that came out of their mouth, like the way he talked to her and vice versa, I probably would just like packed my bags and just shook hands and said, I can't ever come. Like, I don't know how I wake up the next morning and be like, after I called you a, you know, a fucking cunt right. and you're a fucking, you know, your dick is small and I banged you. I mean, like these things came out and I was like, cause I never heard my parents talk like that. They used to argue about stuff, but like that level of disrespect, I, I like, I remember talking to my wife when we first got together, I'm like, you know, um, I'll never really do anything disrespectful and I'm never going to talk to you in a way that I can't wake up the next morning and I have to like, like, like it's like a shattering a, a plate, right? And then trying to glue it back together, it's still got cracks. Yeah, man. So, like, <clears throat> one of the more sage pieces of advice is that Ash's dad has dropped on me. And I don't know to what, it, it just, it struck a chord with me was, you know, be aware if you're driving a wedge between you and your wife, right? And I, the way he put it in his context kind of goes to the first thing you were talking about where, uh, you know, you get into this this terrible situation where something doesn't work out and all of a sudden one parent's using the kids as a weapon against the other, but that's on a much smaller and I guess less severe scale. The way he presented it to me was about how he found that the kids were using each individual parent as a weapon against the other parent. Like, well, mom said I could do this yeah. or, you know, shit like that. And he's like, we found out early and we like put our foot down and, and you've met him and, you know, yeah. he like he has his method of doing that. But it was like, don't let the kids drive a wedge between you. You have to be, yeah. you have to stand your ground. You have to be on the same page. And I thought like, yeah, a united front. Yeah. And just, it was a little more, I took a, a wider view at that as it being like, a, uh, well, the, there's, um, a, there's certain ways tactically to like ensure that than what he was recommending. But like, I think that that was a, an interesting and core principle that then also was like, that falls in line with the latter, what you're talking about, like breaking of the plate, like, I Be hold, aware if you're saying something that's starting yeah. to drive a wedge, right? I hold the company line. Like, I was like, hey, like, uh, the other day, Cashy came up to the gym. Uh, I guess he wanted to watch TV. My little boy's three. And my wife's like, no, you can't watch TV. So he was like, I'm leaving. And he got up and he knows that we're up at the gym working out. So he put on his shoes, walked up to the gym because he's like, if I go up to the gym, daddy will let me watch his phone. And I came mm-hmm. up as soon as I saw him. Then I was like, what happened? He's like, mommy wouldn't let me TV. So I te- texted her. She's like, no, I'm not letting him. So then he's like, can I watch your phone? I'm like, no. And we held the county line. And what did he do? He sat there and was like burned up. And I'm like, you can be burned up all day. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold mm-hmm. the, the party line. And that's going to be the most effective Technology way. Technology so. aiding in parenting. Uh, Imagine like the old days, if you didn't get that text message, you know? Yeah. You know, it'd, it'd be easy for a kid to just manipulate. fucking manipulate. Yeah. So. It's, um, being a parent's interesting, man. Like, um, 
I think what you forget is uh, that each of those kids has their own unique personality. Like, for example, like uh, my one daughter, you know, super obsessed with like riding horses and like wants to go over to like my next door neighbors and work at the barn and like do all these things. And my other daughter who likes to ride, but isn't like into like shoveling horse crap, like the way my other daughter was, she's like, oh, I got to clean all these stalls and get the horses new hay. Like Jamie doesn't want to go do that, but yet she doesn't like the idea that Killy is doing something without her that potentially might aid her in doing something better. I'm like, what, what do you mean? She's like, well, what if she went up there and she learned something that helped her get like a first place ribbon? And I was like, so wait, your, your motivation is to get ribbons. And she's like, yeah, I just want to get lots of prizes. And then Killy's like, I just want to learn to ride horses. And I want to be like, I want like, it's, it was so interesting. Like I have one daughter who's fixated on like external, um, items that show like success. Whereas my other daughter's into like the experience and the knowledge of like, and how to be successful. And like, as that conversation happened yesterday, it was like a brain bomb. And I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. How could like two twin kids that have grown up in the same exact, have these two juxtaposed ideas. And then you realize they're humans. Mm-hmm. Like they've grown up in different ways. And like my job is to be able to influence them in such a way. And then at the end of the day, man, like I was kind of thinking like, um, when my dad passed away, uh, it really like, you know, like all of a sudden, like, you know, I can't like, cause I always called my dad on Saturday mornings. I'd always like, well, if I ever have, you know, you guys go, no, I go to like tractor supply and I do home shit on Saturdays. But I remember I would always call him on Saturday morning. And like, I've never called my dad when he hasn't been up. Like I could call him at 5am Texas time, which is 3am. And I'd be like one ring. Hello. I'd be like, what's up? Nothing. Just hanging out. You know, <laughs> like fucking unbelievable. Like I, w- I would try to like find times to call him to see if I could catch him in bed. And, uh, but like I, uh, like all of a sudden, um, you start thinking back like, Hey, like I can't call my dad anymore. Now you only have all of these experiences to call a call and like all like the great memories. What if your dad was never around for these great memories? Mm -hmm. Or like, I can't remember like, you know, like, Hey dad, you remember the time we went to Mexico or you remember we did this or, you know, you remember you did this. And I like, I just like stupid stuff. I was telling the kids, like, uh, I read it like I was like 10 or 11 years old and I read this article on like a plane. We, we actually, my parents took me to, to London and, uh, I read this, uh, this like in the back of like the, um, uh, you know, like the, the flight, there's like those in-flight magazines and in it, it did like a review of mustards. And it said that the, this is so random that like, like a, a yellow mustard, the whiter, the yellow mustard, the hotter it is. So I asked my dad and I was like, well, does that mean like the really yellowy mustard, the French? And my dad was like, oh, that's crap. You got to get this really hot mustard is really white. And so when we went there, my parents, I was like 10 and my mom and dad were like, Hey, there's a store down the road, like three or four blocks. Why don't you go get like, go down there and like walk around and go get, get like whatever dinner or something. So like 10 years old, I walk out. I have money. I go to this place and I remember it was called Partridges. It was right in uh, Knightsbridge in London. And, uh, I went in and I got like sandwich meat and sandwiches. And I was like, I looked and I found this mustard that was like white mustard. And I was like, man, it's like that article. So I get this mustard. And I remember I come back and I was like, I'm going to make you a sandwich. And I like took the stuff and I like fucking smeared this white mustard over <laughs> and made this badass sandwich. I remember my dad was like, Oh great. I remember he took a bite <laughs> and I fucking to this day still remember the look on his face of this mustard. And he was like, and my dad always loved hot stuff. Like we'd go to Mexico, anything, anything hot, I would always get him. And he'd be like, Oh, it's fine. It's nothing. And the look on his face was like, like, uh, <laughs> like I didn't know if he was going to cry or throw up. It was so hot, but yeah, just both. like, uh, yeah, but just like, <laughs> 
you know, I'm 43 years old. I was probably 10 years old. So I'm remembering a story like from 33 years ago mm-hmm. that is like picture perfect crisp in my mind. I can remember like walking by in the smell of like chestnuts cooking outside because there was a dude cooking chestnuts. I remember it was a cold day. Uh, I remember what the flat looked like in, uh, in, um, in uh, Sloan Square. Like uh, I remember I was wearing a red scarf. Like I just like, uh, and like, it's funny because Harry Shaw is like, how do you remember these details about your life? And I'm like, no fucking idea. But, like, I remember what shoes I was wearing. I remember everything about that moment and, like, the fact that, like, I was able to find... And it's, and it's so stupid. Like, mm-hmm. white mustard to try to get my... like. But at 10 years old, that was the funniest shit. And um, the crazy thing is my dad, you know, we did a lot of things together. Like, there were things, like, I remember, you know, 6 a.m. Saturday morning, my dad would bang on the window and we'd go out and we'd wash cars. And if we did a good job, he'd, like, take us to dinner and be like, oh, you guys did a good job. And, like, we'd, like, go out and celebrate... Uh, on the weekends and we'd go to dinner, we'd do different things. And like, if we worked hard and we helped him, then we'd always got to do cool shit. If we didn't, then we didn't get to do cool shit. And, uh, so for my kids, what I want them to do is I want them to like be able to, you know, think back and have these memories, um, on not only, you know, like, uh, you know, funny dad, like, but just the stuff that makes it rich. And like, what I don't want them to do is like, Oh yeah, no, my dad was there, but he was unplugged because he was always on his fucking phone or my dad, you know, just, you know, cracked a beer and fell into a fucking dozen beers or was on his computer all the time or this. Like I, I want them to have, um, memories. Cause what's crazy. Um, like I remember things crystal clear at 10 years old. And here I am at 43, like my dad's gone and all I have is all these memories. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want those, my kids to not have those memories. Yeah. And so for me, that's what, that's a realization that I came to when we were selecting a name, right? So which we're not going to, like we're keeping it secret till birthday, but. Why? I don't, Ashley wants to. And, uh, you know. The only reason the people line. do that is uh, so that uh, people uh, don't, don't make. snag the name. No, because I don't like know who would, who, would snag, who would snag a name is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But normally people hide names because uh, they don't want people to judge the name as a good or a bad name. Oh, I don't know. I like could give two shits. But one thing th- that I considered is like this is a life sentence, a potential life sentence. Your first decision. Yeah. You're, it's, a, it's a name they will carry for the rest of their lives. It's just an interesting like it's not bad or good. And like, do you think that the name sets a trajectory? I don't know. I haven't really, not really. Uh, but you certainly, like you do consider like the teasing that could be associated with it. If you were to name your daughter Mulva, <laughs> Seinfeld reference. Well, the, um, Dolores. Well, I mean, how many people, like I always think it's funny how many people fuck up our kids' names, which, you know, Killian is a family name. And then Jamie, uh, Jameson, which, mm-hmm. you know, two Irish names, but like how many people misspell their names and they're always like, ah, people misspell their name. I'm like, people misspell John all the time. Mm-hmm. People misspell Wellborn. Like, it's pretty interesting um, how many people mess up names and then you hear. They forget the E on oh. the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a lady the other day. Uh, um, what was it? She repeated back to me. It was uh, Wellroarn. Yeah, yeah that's it. Go on. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like there was no B. It was an R. It was like M-E-L-R-O. I'm like, well, Ron? Like, what the? Yeah, McQuilkin's not easy either. That was fucking awful growing up. Really? McQuil- it seems. Yeah, it seems. I'm, I'm, who knows? But so that was one. Yeah, like, Luke Summers. So as one of my criteria, I'm like, we cannot do something that is like bizarrely spelled. Yeah. Different from phonetically. Like, 
And I, but see, Jamie and Kelly to me are in bounds. But yeah, like, you, there's other names where you're like, is there a U in this? Is there a fuck? Is it CK? Is it double C? Yeah. I don't fucking know. But like, some of the the cool names for 2019 list, which I th- I don't know if you guys or John. Yeah, no. I, if you I, like I, went to a names list and started selecting, uh, we looked at like 1958 to 1964 yeah. names. Yeah. And uh, so, but like, there's certain names, and then Ash would say, "But we'll spell it this way." I'm like, "Fuck no," because it's not like it's not obvious. And then people are going to be writing birthday cards and they'd be like, "How the fuck do you spell oh, this stupid top, kid's fucking name?" Top two for 2019 little girls: Jackson, J A X O N, exactly, and Aria, A R I A. That's what I'm talking about. how the fuck do you spell? No, those are the Jackson name was huge as a boy's name, J A X S O N, when or J A X O N. When, There's a great example. Right? Yeah, so like, like when Cashy was coming up, and like that was another one with mm-hmm. uh, like the Jackson names. Um, t- top ten. I I know in real life one person with this name, Charlotte. Everything else is I've never heard. So ever. I was shooting for like older names too. Like I was really pushing for like Francine. <laughs> but then I'm like, ah, are people going to think Franny. I picked it Franny. because of fucking Fran and CrossFit? So like that oh, became a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. Uh, anyways, um, so name TV. Or so you TV named announced. Jolene, right? Jolene. Exactly. Jolene Gentry. Um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Where do we, how do we get out? Nobody knows. Uh, you're talking about names. You're yeah, talking about picking that, names. Oh, life sentence. Uh, another thing that I think becomes like this multi generational life sentence is are these memories, right? Yeah. Like you, the things you choose to do and make memorable. Going back to something we talked about yesterday, like what are the we kind of have this trajectory either by not living up to what you're supposed to do or ex- exceeding expectations. That's kind of what triggers this memorable moment. But those are those last for a lifetime, and you as a parent up to a certain age are like one of the sole proprietors of memory and like positive or negative. Well, the, uh, and it's weird to have that amount of control over an individual's life. Well, the interesting thing, and I, I read this kind of in a strange way is, um, very few people remember, you know, like from like, you know, zero up until like five or six years old. And it's like right in that kind of weird time range. Like they might remember specific, like a few incidents or I remember this or this or this, Mm -hmm. but, um, they basically just have a general, uh, whether it was good or bad. Yeah. Like, no, I had a happy childhood. Yeah. Like everything's normal. Yeah. yeah, Like I, we laughed, I had fun, which is convenient for like new parents because it gives you margin for error. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) at the end, and then the other one too is, um, people really complicate shit. Like this is something because we use our lens of perspective. Like this is, uh, I'll just give you an example. Like my kids only, um, like I, I remember we, we were watching some movies or something and the only thing that they knew about whether or not the movie was good or bad was whether or not that they had popsicles. So I was like, so if we watch a movie and you have a popsicle, it's a good oh, movie. Great movie. So are, you can condition them to like the Fast and the Furious. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, so I, I just remember we watched um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> right, which is totally creepy if you watch it now. Oh, yeah. For grown-ups, right. Right, <laughs> yeah. so the kids were like, uh, I was like, did you like it? And they were like, yeah, it was good. And I was like, well, did you like it? They're like, we never really liked the movie. We liked that we had popsicles. <laughs> so, like, I realized, I was like, so we can alter trajectory of movies and a whole bunch of things if there's popsicles well, Like involved. experience, like yeah. that's... Those are those are things so, that influence the experience, right? So, like, we went to... I, I took him to go see the new Aladdin movie, and Ooh, there's a bunch of singing. Uh, you know the best part about the movie they liked? The fact that the seats reclined. 
in the movie theater. Oh shit! And they were like, so the seats reclined. Like I that like was the original. Yeah, like, uh, but like uh, shit. At like least I haven't like, seen it since. Like they don't have like oh like Will Smith singing was good. They were like oh no it was great. They sang. It looked like a lot of fun, and the seats reclined. So like what I found is that the things that we don't we just kind of like dismiss like. Like that, like uh, I remember, I took my girls to a movie and I let them uh, pick, or I allowed them to get Sour Patch Kids, but we only did it once because they came home and ratted me narc, out immediately to my kids. wife. Uh, but to this day, they remember the movie not because of the movie, but oh, you mean that movie where we had Sour Patch Kids? And I was like, we could have had more, but you guys ratted me out, and then Mom put the k- kibosh on Sour Patch Kids, and they were like, oh yeah. So then they figured out that like. Don't tell mom we had Sour Patch Kids. And then Jamie's like, I won't tell mom we had Sour Patch Kids. I'm like, well, you already told her. And what happened like, oh. to all that hold the company line talk, Wellborn? Well, uh, well, now it is, but it's not like she <laughs> said on the way to the movie, hey, don't get them Sour Patch Kids. Mm-hmm. But now now that's actually, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, for forgiveness. So, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I like, so the, the the problem is, is that like, you know, uh, like, let's say you go on a, on a, on a vacation or something and you want to stay at some like really cool hotel in this room and you think it's going to be amazing. And like the only thing the kids remember was that there was like cookies, like by the bed, like, or, or that there was a fountain or like something. So like, even though we're like, Oh, wasn't that room cool? This and it had a view. They're like, I don't know. I just remember there was like chocolates on the pillow. So like what I realized is that the kids are really based upon like the uh like the little things in the experiences and the things that like we look at aren't necessarily the things that they look at so um just putting you know being able to go have fun and you know and remember to laugh and i think sometimes uh as adults we forget that like kids are funny and that like a lot of times their first exposure to things is really just like their natural reaction like i i tell them all the time i'm like dude i uh uh, I will forever laugh at like the way you guys view things because it reminds me of how I used to view stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think like as parents, man, we just get like so stuck in like the work and the success and the stress and the struggle and this and here and there that you kind of like forget sometimes that like shit, man, like um, why are we here? Right. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, we come on this planet, we live here a certain amount of time, like we can't take anything with us. Right. Like. I can make, you know, like I always think about it like a billionaire dies the same way as a penniless dude. They both die. Like the ancient Egyptians tried to take it with them for years. Mummification, the whole deal never worked. You know, we still dug up the pyramids and there were still the shit was still in there. So like at the end of the day, like what is it that we are doing here? If we can't take possessions, then it's experiences and memories and the things you remember on your deathbed or or, you know, who knows if there's a, a you know, I think forever the world, the this life is really interesting because nobody can tell you if anything happens after your last breath, right? Now, I would like to believe, you know, and I, I forever will feel sorry for people that are like in within this atheist, like, oh, we're dead matter, it's over. And I'm like, God, what a fucking terrible, terrible perspective on life that you feel that like nothing we do here matters in any way, that like we're decaying matter, you close your eyes, energy leaves, and it's just black, and that's the end of our existence, and we don't know. If that's the case, fuck, man, like, then then why do any of this stuff if it doesn't matter in some way so i think um you know the you know the only success that you'll ever have in this world is the way you affect those around you mm-hmm. and i think what's interesting is so often you know you have a guy like andy reed for example who coaches the you know the the eagles and has this great success as a coach and go to super bowls and this and then you know you have your family structure is it has you know like you have these two tragedies in your family and you're like fuck like was it worth it 
you know, at the end of the day, like if I can't get with like my first team to the end of it, like that was really pretty impactful for me. So, um, I just would like for my kids to remember me. Like I remember my father where like I was involved, we had funny, we, you know, we laughed and we had this great relationship, but at the end of the day, I knew like my dad was always there for me. You know, I remember playing NFL games and looking up and being like, seeing him up there and being like, fuck, he came by himself. Cause my mom's like, I don't want to go to green Bay, Wisconsin. He's like, I want to go to green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> you know? And just like, uh, just hilarious stuff, man. But, uh, no, it's, um, the other one too is, uh, uh, as a parent, you realize that um, it's your chance to do it right. Like the sins of the father don't have to be the sins of the child. So like how your parents treated you, and that's some shit that fucking blows me away. Well, that's how I was treated. That's how I was raised. I'm always like, well, would you have chosen that way to be raised? Is it just because that's how you were raised and what you went through, why do you continue to that cycle, why is that the right way? Because that's how, you know, it's like uh, working with the U.S. military. Well, that's the way we've always done it. Okay. Is, is it, was it right then? Was it right now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's wrong. So on that note, did you, did you and Kate powwow at all on like compare and contrast? I don't know, rules, the way to punish, the way to run holidays, the, and I want to get into some of the tradition stuff in a little bit, but like, did you guys powwow beforehand or just kind of do it on the fly? No. Um, you know, um, I think, um, uh, because how we, how we ultimately like respond and react and like the traditions we carry on are, I have to think strongly influenced by what we were exposed to as kids or those closest to us, like families you got to interface with, uh, you saw how they did it. And uh, then that becomes kind of like your toolkit in what you want to use. Yeah. But you get to start your own traditions. Sure. Like, like, like that's an interesting piece. Like the, uh, you know, we, I remember as kids, we had certain traditions and certain things that we did and that were really important. But then I remember that like now all of a sudden you have this ability to start your own traditions and do your own things and like, you know, like do, do your own family. So like, I think what, what pisses me off a lot of times is, uh, a lot of things. And we saw this with the military, man. Like, well, that's the way we've always done it. Sure. And we're like, but it's, it's not right. Double A's have Turkey. Right. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Right. It, it's just like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like if that's the way you did it, I think we should always be in this kind of mindset of like, what's the best way to do something. And if, and, and if it was broken in the past, see, I think, I think of, I'm on board with that, but I also think there's a parallel lane of like, are there other ways? Like, okay, I found this way. seems pretty good. How else could we fucking do this? Right. So that iteration, uh, not necessarily innovation on in tradition might not be the best approach. Right. But I, like, I can't, I'm thinking more so of like, okay, when the first, the first big no, no goes and like, there needs to be, you know, are you going to, get the paddle out and paddle the kid? Are we going to, are we going to spank or not? Are we going to do timeout? How long is timeout? Do we take oh, toys away? Well, the, like, the discipline thing is interesting because, mm-hmm. um, every parent, like I remember we had kind of a talk about like, well, you know, discipline, this is how I was raised. This is how you were raised. And like, I remember my wife being like, you know, uh, we weren't really, you know, like assaulted, like physically assaulted, but like, uh, um, the way that her, you know, the discipline came from more like this, like, uh, I'm so disappointed in you and this weird, like disappointment, shame thing, mm-hmm. which I think is actually fucking worse. I'd rather take a fucking beat than have somebody fucking do this emotional <laughs> mental warfare of like, you've ruined everything, you know, and like that type of shit, which I think is way more hurtful. I'd rather just take a spank and let's go on. 
Um, but I also realized like with my daughters, um, my one daughter, Killy internalizes like I, if it would actually, she would probably be better with like a spank opposed from like, you really disappointed me. Cause then right? that, because then that weighs she, on her for She would internalize it. And 90 it would, days. It, right? Yeah. It, she'd be fucking emotionally crippled. Jamie. Uh, I remember, uh, we only have a couple rules and one of them is the first rule is you always take care of your family. You don't talk about fight club. No, you <laughs> always take care of your family. And like the only thing I'll ever be mad at you about is if you do something that doesn't take care of your family. So like, for example, Cashy was a baby. He was pretty young. And like, we have like, they, they have their upstairs and there's like a sliding kind of pocket door and Cashy was up there playing with her stuff. And like Jamie, I remember took him downstairs and, and she like shut the door on him kind of like as he was trying to get up she and he like ran into the door because he was little and then he like like bounced off the door and then rolled down three stairs and i heard it and i like saw this thing happening and i see her like with the door open and i see him crying and i'm like what happened so she gives me like tells me and i was like there is uh only a few things that i'll ever get mad of one of them is happens to do with like not taking care of your little brother and uh, that was, I was pretty upset. Like, that's really the only times I've ever been really mad. I'm um, like, uh, you know, or the other big one I'm on is uh, I don't like lying. Like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, if you went and ate all of those cookies, right, tell me, like, no, I ate all those cookies. More so than, like, I don't know who ate those cookies. Maybe Mr. Tech snuck in and ate all those cookies. <laughs> what? And, oh, which yeah, is no, a believable story. Right, which is now, it, now it is. <laughs> right, but, like, uh, stuff like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm never going to be mad at you for what you do. What I'm more upset about is if you lie to me. Because, mm-hmm. uh, and I've told them this numerous times. I go with the John Gotti. The only reason people lie is out of fear. Mm-hmm. And when they asked John Gotti about, like, when he got up there and was talking, and they're like, are you lying? He's like, I don't lie. Uh, only men that fear lie. I have no fear. I got no problem telling you what I did. And so I try to explain them, like, have confidence. If you do something, take ownership. Or if you're too embarrassed and you have to lie, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a, like a thing that we talk, or I, I try to talk to them all the time about. Um, I just, uh, what I want, you know, like, it's the proverbial, like, I'm not going to always be there. Um, so I have to, while I am around, uh, I have to be able to instill as much information and much, you know, confidence and like, you know, uh, story and this, I mean, however I need to do it, like I need to have as much influence because one day I won't be there. One day you'll be on your own and you'll have to make your own decisions. And all you'll have to remember is the experiences that we had and the values and the, that I've taught you. And, um, you know, and like, uh, you know, you've heard people be like, ah, I don't really, you know, like I joke all the time. I'm like, I don't know if our parents really liked this. Yeah. I mean, I, they did, they kept us around, but like, uh, it just, man, it's, um, I really wish, uh, you know, like it's funny cause you read all these parenting books and like, I always think like, I don't care what your fucking credentials say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think it's uh, hubris and I think it's fucking ego and I think it's, uh, uh, convol- you know, this, uh, uh, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like fucking just. Yeah, hubris is really the only word I can think of it, that like somebody would sit down and write a parenting book and tell you how they think you should raise your child in a book. To me, that's I I don't give a fuck what PhD or what you think that you have with child psychology. Uh, It's all fucking wrong until you're in that situation and you see how your child reacts to certain things. Like, I bet you I could go with a stick and I could spank Jamie for an hour and her (laughs) face would be completely stone faced. Mm hmm. Right. But if I said to her, like, you did something wrong, I'm going to take your Hatchimals and I'm going to hold on and put them in my pocket. and You're going to back when you're better. She would like 
lose her mind. Or if I told her, I'm like, hey, you don't get to go do this, and Killy's going to get to do this, that would be by far a bigger punishment than me being like, sp- I could spank her all day. I don't even think it would phase her. Killy, on the other hand, like, if I were to spank her or do something, like, that would be, like, I don't even really have to discipline her because she's so hard on herself that, like, the thought of doing anything wrong is actually worse than anything mm-hmm. else. It's fine. It, it's unreal. And these are two kids that are seven years old that were twins that have all their experiences are identical and they could not be more different. How the hell is some fucking Dr. Spock or somebody going to write a book and try to sell it? It's bullshit. And like, I think anybody that, um, I think the only thing you can do is give parenting advice based off of your, this is how, this is what I saw work with my children, or this is the experience that I had that I think is valuable. That's what fucking drives me crazy. Like if you go, you talk, Oh, I think, fuck you. Don't you think that's like a little, so here's, here's where I'll push back on, the parenting book, but number one, I haven't read a parenting book. It's mostly been about phase one, right? Which is like prenatal and postnatal type shit and more so technical and medical. But, um, don't you think it's about the intent of the reader? Like if the reader is looking for an answer versus possibilities, you know what I mean? Uh, then I, I, I think that, yeah, it's a dangerous perspective and a dangerous thing to look into. Much like I fucking do not like these fucking self-help books. I do not like yeah. extreme ownership. I do not like any of this shit per se if the perspective is to find the answer. And people search for answers out of this shit. And the guys and gals I talk to read this and love it. They found the answer. And then guess what? There's another answer next fucking book. And another... No, fuck that. If you go in with a more broad approach and try to connect, I guess, going back to our training methodology, if you try to find the principles that are driving this stuff, even if the author says it's a principle, like... But but don't you think everybody's always like, uh, if you guys listen to this podcast, I don't know if you've ever heard me say, like, if you're searching for a guru, you will find a guru. Mm-hmm. If you're searching for an answer, you will find an answer, not the answer, but there's a, an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. And there's always somebody there who, you know, like, uh, you know, the... Uh, the proverbial Dr. Cebu, you know, where it's like, oh, only, you know, to cure AIDS, you just have to detox, mm-hmm. you know, like you see that stuff on Instagram all the time or social media and this. And like, it's just like, uh, like if, if you put yourself in this guru status and you, you know, tell people how it is, let me tell you how it is, you know, it just becomes like they'll, you know, people will look for it. Mm-hmm. It just, so the, like an example of, I guess, a quote unquote parenting book that, uh, we've recently discussed would be like grit or coddling of an America, the yeah. uh, American mind is more so about kind of a, a high level view and trend and change in culture and prepare as a parent for what I was never fucking exposed to as a kid, but now my kids will be right. So yeah. like think yeah. of like, I don't know how to use this fucking cell phone. Like, you know, like my, like our parents are like, how the fuck do you send a picture? You know, but, but oh, like, I think that the there is a book. social integration that we're not going to be prepared to guide our kids through just like my old man wasn't prepared to guide me through some professional, um, mishaps that I was going through. Before but if you look at like, through. if you read grit and you read, uh, coddling the American mind, what they're doing is they're talking about stories, mm-hmm. which is, is kind of interesting. Like it's really how I view the Bible. Like I view the Bible as a collection of educational stories that are basically telling a, a, a tale or telling something so that I can learn from it. The problem is, is that you have people that are fundamentalists that really believe that Jesus walked on water and that Moses parted the Red Sea and all these other things. And like what they, what they're not reading it for is this interpretive, like, Hey, I'm going to tell you a story and I want you to pull out 
um, you know, like uh, the, the message from it, like, like, what did you learn from these stories? Mm -hmm. And, um, when I read Cuddling the American Mind and I've read Grit, like I appreciate like the story to me, uh, it teaches me a lesson more so than like, um, you know, I don't know, like, uh, answers a question yeah. or provides yeah. tactics yeah. Right. Or, or tells you like, you know, like, uh, the Tony Robbins kind of like, you know, I'm going to change your life and all you have to do is, you know, follow these three steps. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, I, I don't know. It feels disingenuous. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And, uh, I think that it's, it's also, where do I want to wind back to? Um, going back to like, okay, so your experiences as a kid, right. Are shaping how you and, and with your parents are shaping how you and Kate are kind of approaching your kids. Right. And then ultimately what is so fucking crazy to me is it's going to shape how they raise yeah. their kids. And like you, you are dishing out mo potentially multiple life sentences with the decisions you fucking make. And like, yeah, but you got to remember, man, like Bill Clinton grew up. I'm even, and like, I'll just use Bill Clinton. Cause I just read his name in connection with the, uh, <laughs> with the, uh, the Lolita plane dude. Uh, what was his name? Um, uh, the guy that just got busted. Oh, Epstein. Yeah. Epstein. Epstein. I just was reading this whole thing about it. So like, I'll use his mind. I mean, he grew up as a single parent, you know, uh, very poor, like pulled himself by, by the, by your bootstraps, like mm -hmm. put himself through school. Like, I mean, really like came from humble beginnings, you know, single family home, the whole deal. And ascended to the president of the United States. Now the dude's a sociopath, you know, I mean, the, you know, probably one of the most, you know, prolific liars in the history of the world. Uh, but like that dude, like, so my case in point is that people who were less switched on, I think I've told you this before, yeah. less switched on than you and Ash, like people like broken homes, alcoholics, you know, just like the you know most dysfunctional have raised oh, sure. presidents. Yeah, not like the, the and, realization. And Nobel laureates and, and, you know, Nobel Prize winners. Yeah, the, re the realization I had wasn't so much like a, a reaction of like fear and like, oh my gosh, this is weighing so heavily on me. It was more so like, huh, like I wondered the shit that, like how I wonder the lineage of my values, like of which values. And if it came from like my great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother on, I don't fucking know, like, um, our, our holiday tradition of hanging stockings, like who first introduced, you know, I'm just thinking of like these little things that we have an opportunity to influence could like ripple through multiple generations. And I just think it's fucking cool. Like, and the life sentence thing on the name was like the thing that started this whole thing. Like, holy shit. But then, like, but I also have the appreciation of nature versus nurture. And there's, I mean, some, in some cases, it's nature. In some cases, it's nurture. Yeah. In some cases, you have twin fucking girls who are exposed to literally the yeah. same shit and play with the same toys on the same property, go to the same school, right, with the same parents, and you have two totally different I, personalities I'll, I'll, to manage. I'll just give you an example. So uh, when my daughters were born, I was trying to find middle names for them. So I reached out to my aunt, who's also my godmother at the time, and I was like, hey, we like to, like, give them middle names that are like, you know, family names associated with their grandmothers. So I like reached out to my aunt who was like, Oh, you know, provided me like, Oh, this, this was the name, you know, gave us a family mm -hmm. name. And then I did it on the other side. And so the hilarious part is, uh, Killy's middle name is Anne, and then Jamie, or sorry, uh, Jamie is Anne, and then Killy is Rose named after my grandmother who is Rose. And so the hilarious part is my mom, when we like told them, you know, did the birth certificates, showed them the names and everything. She's like, where'd you get the Anne? And I was like, Oh, we talked to Denise. She said the family name. My, my, my mom was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Where did Denise get that? And so I asked Denise, and so my mom, when we went up before my Denise, my aunt Denise passed away, uh, we went up and my mom was like, asked her, and she was like, oh, uh, yeah, and then like went through, and my mom's like, no, 
that's not at all how it goes. And like, <laughs> it was hilarious that they were like, and I, then I realized I was like, man, um, perception's reality. Yeah. You know, sure. like, like the traditions and all that really all depend on like the individual, the individual that's remembering them, like, and hearing them argue about stuff like, Oh, do you remember always on like Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve for dinner? We always had salmon. And my aunt was like, no, we didn't. And my mom's like, we did. So like, I'm like listening to my aunt, uh, who was my godmother and my mom's sister. And they were like Irish twins. So they were like, you know, 13 months apart, like having this like argument at like, you know, in their seventies, almost 80 years old, like having these arguments about their family traditions and names couldn't agree on any of them. That's and they were literally like battling being like, I don't know where the sand name came from. She's like, yeah, you do. It's so no, no, nope, that's, that wasn't their name. And then like arguing about what they had. And I remember thinking like, all these traditions are completely dependent upon the person who's remembering right, them. their interpretation of the yeah. experience. Right. Um, it's like fucking Tiger Woods SNL skit. Tracy Morgan. Yeah. With Tracy Morgan's like, <laughs> I hated that golf club. He loved that golf club. He would swing it all the live long day. <laughs> my father glued a golf club to my head. Yeah. <laughs> Same shit, man. And it's, uh, it, it's just super fascinating, man. Like I, it's, um, like I just keep going back to that, like the sins of the, like the sins of the father don't have sure. to be the sins of the child. Like, like the mistakes and the issues and the things and the shortcomings. Cause like at the end of the day, man, you get old enough and you realize that your parents are just people that were trying to do the best they could. Yeah. But as a little kid, you kind of put your parents in this like kind of superhero, uh, pedestal where like, you know, they know everything. They're all knowing they're all smart. Like they tell you when to brush your teeth and to do all this. And like, you know, they got it all figured out. Like I, like my daughter sit down for homework and like dad has the answer for everything. And it's like, then all of a sudden you realize at some point you're like, my parents are just people that were doing the best they could with the, uh, available information. And like, I think that happens at about 25 or 26. And then you kind of like forgive them for all the, any other shortcomings or this or whatnot. Well, and, look, then, I, and then I you also, realize that like, uh, I would love to be able to convince them that I live on that pedestal forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want them to be 26 and be like, oh, my dad was just a dude. I want them to be like, no, my dad was fucking super, Superman. Well, I look back at some of the, I guess, um, I don't, you call it like, oh, I would do it differently type deal. And with my folks and with my family and Ashley's folks and her family. And I just try to like sit there and think a little bit and say, okay, so we, we understand what the outcome is and how everyone felt about it. And like the resentment or whatever, but what was the, like, what was the original intent? And then that's what I try to value on it. Right. And I go specifically to Ashley's side on of things because she's, she's kind of resentful for silly things. Case in point, like uh, her parents didn't buy her and her brother and sister a car. Right. And she's like, all my friends got cars. But the, when I ask her dad, like, so what was the deal with the car? She could have gone, drove herself to practice. You know, April would have had, like, her, her mom would have been freed up, wouldn't have to do all this. And um, so I was preparing them to let them know that there's no fucking handouts in life. I'm like, okay. So that was, like, his way of trying to do that. Whereas, like, on my family, I, it was, if you had a B average, you'd get a shitty fucking Pontiac car. You know, like, nothing, like, couldn't be newer than 10 years old. And, uh, you know, it had to have less than a hundred thousand miles. Like that was our 16 year old car, you know? And she's like, see, your parents did it. We should do that. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, am I lucky that I have a, a value to like a, a core value of work ethic and, uh, earning the things and pride of ownership because it was provided for me. Cause you certainly do. Like she's better than I am at pr- like pride of ownership. 
right? So she keeps everything tidy. She's a fucking switched on. She has a higher value for the things she's purchases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, is this a, an outcome from a tactic that you don't agree with? Why would we remove that if I think you're better at it than I am? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's like this interesting back and forth we've gotten to. And like, I'm also aware at the same time, like I'm probably overcomplicating it, but it's a fun exercise for us to go through. And like, we're, this is our bonding way to bond and prepare and uh, become aligned in one aligned front uh, for when baby Sparky arrives. But it's just interesting to go through and think back through that shit. And fuck, maybe my folks were right when they fucking whooped my ass and all the things I held them accountable for, like, or hold against them. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, I just don't think that there's a right, right way to look at anything. In or, that. Yeah, and that's, like, so going like, to like the Jordan Peterson, yeah. uh, tell the tr- always tell the truth or at least never lie. Yeah. Like, yeah. it may not have been right in terms of optimal, but it probably wasn't wrong. Well, the other one too is, um, I don't think, uh, the, let me see how I put this. I think the uh, the rule of like you don't reward negative behavior and you don't reward assholes. Like I like I remember my mom told me all the time. She's like, you know, life doesn't reward an asshole, which actually kind of probably not true. But like in our family, like she's like, you know, like um, I'm not going to reward bad behavior and I'm not going to like uh, reward failure and like I'm not going to reward you if you're an asshole. Like you just like don't get to do fun shit. So if you're like a good kid, you get good grades and you're not a fucking asshole. Um, you'll be all right. And mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was pretty basic. Like, I remember I got like, my, my brother's got these kind of piece of shit Jeeps. They were like old Jeeps and they fucking broke down all the time. I like fucking, you know, they were pretty, they, they were, I mean, at the time I thought they were cool, but now I look back and think, fuck. But like when I was 16, um, I had already had like, you know, 25 scholarship offers. And I remember my dad being like, wait a minute. So they're going to like pay for school. And he's like, I got money saved. Like you want to get a truck? Fucking dude, go get a truck. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got a pretty nice truck and, uh, uh, it wasn't like, Hey, you turned 16. I got you a car. It was like my dad being like, uh, there's mm-hmm. money for college. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was pretty fun, pretty funny. He's like, if you don't get those scholarships, like the truck goes away and then that money goes for college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I better get those scholarships in. So like, that was a pretty easy one for me. Um, but like there was, um, but I also learned pride of ownership in a lot of these things because like, that was how my dad, like I, like I've, I've told the kids, like I remember, uh, so, you know, the girls ride. And so, um, uh, did I tell you guys that, uh, like I was like, oh, your boots and all your stuff is so dirty. How come you don't clean it? And they're like, well, we don't know how. And I was like, hold on, let me go get you fucking granddad shine box. And I, told oh. him, and I, I taught him how to shine shoes and they were like, how do you know how to do this? And I'm like, well, I used to have to shine shoes for my dad. And like, and like I pulled out and I showed them how to do all this. And like, they were like uh, blown away that I knew how to do this. And I was like, man, like you don't realize my job as a kid was my dad would get this like leather conditioner from Europe, from London, from England. It was called Hyde food. And my job as a kid is I had to take this stuff, mix it up. And then I have to rub it into his leather seats. And like, I had to do this whole like interior leather reconditioning thing on his Porsche and like do this. And like, we did this shit all the time. So like, I'm like, uh, like my wife's like, Oh, the, you know, the saddles looking this. And I was like, Oh, we got to hit it with a little saddle soap. We're going to, you know, this. And I like ordered some stuff and she's like, well, I didn't fucking know. I'm like, let me tell you when it comes into like leather conditioning, nice shit. I'm like, I got you. I'm like, don't mm-hmm. worry. I, I got you on this one. So like I'm out there with like the girls and my dad's like shine box that I've like taped together cause it broke and like showing them how to shine shoes. And I'm like, uh, like that'll be a funny memory for them. And like when they'll, when they'll ask, it'll be like, this was important to granddad. Yeah. yeah. I got handed down my 
grandfather's shoe sign kit and then spacers. So they wood spacers from the Navy. So it says Lieutenant MCQ on the base. And then my dad taught me how to shine those new boots that we got. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, just a oh yeah, yeah no. little thing. But now I got these Lieutenant McQuilkin. Yeah, like the boot uh, spacers. So when you said uh, spacers, I thought you were going to say uh, wood, wood pieces that go in between the heel of your boot and the sole of your boot to just get a little more uh, elevation. No, my, oh, those are lifts. No, they're Lieutenant called... Lieutenant McQuilkin no, was they're, probably like 6'4". No, <laughs> so they're not called spacers. What they're called is shoe trees. Shoe trees? Yeah, we're known like shoe trees. Like they're like a, they look like a foot yeah, and the you wood put them in. Yeah, they're called a shoe tree. Okay. Like that's what we always call them. I don't know why we call them shoe trees, but like my dad always called them shoe trees. And the thing is, is you put the shoe tree in when you, when you polish the shoe so it stretches the leather. Because if you polish mm-hmm. a shoe that has yeah. it, it'll like it collapse in. Yeah, like man, like just like the amount of stuff like that, like these are all like, um, like, like my dad never sat down and was like, you know, here's a list on how you do it. Like I sat there and I watched him shine his shoes and then he was like, I want you to do, to shine these. Yeah, and I'm now like, you do it. Yeah. And like, then, you know, he didn't say like, Hey, the brown shoes use the black paste. Like, no, you're like, all right, well, there's brown paste. I saw how I did it. And he did it through example. It wasn't like he was asking me to do something he hadn't done. So kind of on that note, I uh, meant to go back and listen and just ran out of time this morning to the Dave Spitz episode. You remember that episode of Power Through Radio is when the audio was really shitty. We were all surrounded one microphone, and they were repaving the parking lot in uh, Costa Mesa. Mesa. But you guys kind of shared ideas on, like, full life cycle athletic development for the kiddos. Yeah. And you had some plans. Do you remember remember the details on that? Yeah, it was, um, I remember there was a bunch of, like, uh, at least the way I always thought about it was there was something that involved some tumbling, so changing orientations. Uh, something body weight like gymnastics, something mm-hmm. like swimming with different changing in orientations and, and, a, and a higher load, uh, something that involves like a racket and stick. So there's hand-eye coordination and then something that involves like sliding, mm-hmm. um, whether it be like skateboarding, snowboarding and that. Um, the uh, interesting thing is, you no, know, regardless of how, and then something that teaches rhythm, uh, so regardless of what I think that they should do, um, we have kind of led our kids and, and like, it's purely because we live next door to the horse thing. Sure. Um, but what I've, what I noticed is, uh, the girls are pretty good at riding horses, not because, um, you know, they've had obviously had opportunity, but like it comes down to like gymnastics, body control, right? Like their ability to like maintain posture and position and do these things, I think comes from gymnastics. Uh, the swimming thing, I wish that they would do the swimming more. They just... Uh, so like, that was kind of where my question was, was going. Fight. So here they are now, seven years old, full personality, uh, probably very hard to influence. But there was that window where you yeah. could, right? Where it's like, oh, mom and dad want me to do this. I'm going to do it. Is there anything you would have done differently in that little window? Or Because I know you had them swim. Yeah. You had them do gymnastics. They, they still do gymnastics. Uh, we don't do the competitive gymnastics because it's like five days a week. Mm-hmm. And I want them to do other things. I don't want right. them to just specialize. specialize right. uh, they were all pretty good soccer players, so they'll play soccer again. Um, I like... Um, the bigger thing that I'm excited by is by like free play. Like I want them to go outside and jump on the trampoline and make forts and swing and jump and run. Uh, I like, I want them to, you know, come up to the gym and train. Like I, I, I want them to feel like they have the freedom to be, uh, to like allow their imaginations to, to like run wild. Cause what kind of makes me a little nervous is, um, like 
when we were kids, we would take road trips and I couldn't read in the car. My dad didn't like to listen to the radio because he didn't really like, uh, he likes classical music only, which I think is bullshit. So as a kid, we either got to like sit in silence in the car or listen to classical music and we just chose silence. And like I couldn't read and we didn't really have board games. Like there was no computers, no nothing. So I would just look out the window. And what it did is it allowed me to develop an imagination and like, like create and think and really enjoy like time, like unplugged in this and like I what I what I'm scared for them is that they'd never have a moment where like while I'm bored I don't have anything to do and like I, re- I never remember like even when I was bored there were still things because I had like the expanse of my mind as uh as this world's playground I had you know this we come up with games we we like a million different things and uh what I'm worried about is that because there's so many options for technology like I was trying to explain to my daughters the other day that when I was a kid in their age Um, you went to the TV and you turned it on and there was what, like seven channels and you flipped around and if there was nothing on, you just turned it off and that was it. And you came back at a later date and saw if there was anything better. Like we didn't know what what was going to be on. I didn't have a TV guide. Like it's like, there was no fucking programming menu. Sure. Yeah. Like you would just turn shit on. If something good was on, you watched it. If it wasn't, you just turn it off. Now they turned it on and there's DVR, there's Netflix, there's all these options. There's always something to watch. Well, do you remember the, um, like the first iteration of on-screen guide? Where it would like scroll three channels, scroll three channels, scroll three. It was a channel to go and it was like the program schedule. And if you fucking missed your channel, you have to like sit there and wait for like three or four minutes. And then it would no remote. No remote. It was just a channel broadcasting a guide. Uh, It would update every half hour. Okay. Then they'd put like a new one in. Like, I, I don't know. I just look back to that. Like, then, like, the next iteration was if you had cable, yeah. you could, like, click the button and then navigate that. But um, I don't know what you brought No, that. I mean, dude, but it, it's like that. Like, then they're, and they kind of look at me like, that's crazy. I'm like, I'm just telling you. Like, there were a lot of things. Like, my mom would, like, constantly yell at us, like, get out of the house, go do something, go outside, get out of the house. And we would just go and ride bikes and do whatever we were going to do. And so I think, um, like, you so, know, like, like, like we have a pool. So I'm always like, go out and swim. My wife's like, well, are you watching them? I'm like, they're seven years old. Like, uh, and my wife's like, yeah, but like, you know, so like I have to sit out there and they asked me, they're like, when you were seven years old, did I, did, did your mom have to sit outside, watch TV? And I was like, we went to the beach by ourselves when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like we had surfboards. We were like trying to kill ourselves. Like, 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 like my mom would drop us off at like seven, eight years old and be like, Don't okay, I'll pick die. you up. You guys have lunch. I'm going to drive away on you. So it's just like, I, I don't know if it was good or bad or if it was just the seventies and the eighties is a different lifestyle. But like, um, like yesterday, uh, Killy's like, Hey, I want to go up to Miss Kathy's at the barn. Can I go? And I was like, hundred percent. Can you, you know, you, you know where it is, go up there. And so she hung out there and helped and like did this whole thing and came home. And like, she was like, did you know where I was? And I was like, yeah, you're at Miss Kathy's. Like, what mm-hmm. did you do? And like, I, she was like so proud that she like walked up there by herself and like nobody was around. Like she was like, you know, like autonomous. And I was like, it felt good. Didn't it? She's like, it did feel good. I was like, yeah, freedom feels good. Mm-hmm. Freedom feels good. On, the, I guess, staying within the technology space, are you, is there any piece of you that's concerned that you're, since this is where like industry and commerce is going, that by restricting technology, you're potentially imposing like a competitive disadvantage? I have not restricted technology in the, in the way you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. So but you get what I'm a- asking well, but, about and maybe not but, you, um, but they, like if so, there's someone who's totally neutering yes. screen time and computers from the kids is, 
so we uh, they used Chromebooks in first grade, and so at the end of first grade, I uh, I got them like I think Chromebooks were like 112 bucks around for like 99 dollars. So I went, I bought them a Chromebook, and they're allowed to like I I put apps on their Chromebook for like language and different things, and they're allowed to use their Chromebooks for like 30 minutes a day, mm-hmm. and so they can go in and do stuff. And the funny part was is I'd always like they'd have it on their headsets over there. I'm like, what are you guys looking at? And they would like uh, so, but they don't know I can go search their hit- history. And I was like, you fuckers are watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like uh, Kelly's over there watching show jumping for horses and Jamie's watching some like weird Hatchimal show because she likes Hatchimals. And I was like, dude, this is for education in here. And then um, they, uh, uh, like, I'll let them watch TV. Like, when we first get up in the morning, if they get up early, I'll let them watch for a little bit in the morning and then we can watch a little bit at night. But the hilarious part is, is the girls are seven and they didn't really know how to use the remote control until like, pretty recently because I never really took him through them. Cashy on the other hand, three years old, they like give it to him and he's like surfing through channels, like like knows how to turn it all on, like knows how to get to his shows. And I'm like tripping out that like the girls didn't figure that out until like a year ago. And like here he is at three and he knows how to do it. He knows how to like, you work my wife's phone. He knows how to do all these things. And I think it was just because like we didn't have any of this stuff around. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't really watch a ton of TV and we just never turned it on. But then they got to the age where they wanted to watch it and now he sees it. So he knows like his shows, he knows Spider-Man, he knows this, uh, like it just, it, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting just seeing that and like, but like the, in terms of like the Chromebook and technology, I think as dangerous it is, I don't think that we can, I think you, you can't not expose them to it sure. because they're going to go to first grade, they're going to be on Chromebooks and like they need to understand how to use it to be able to navigate this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, I really wish there was this like simplistic, like no, no screen and all that. But it's like, man, like all that's going to happen, it's going to be like the parents that are like, you can't have any treats. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they like, they go over to their friend's houses, like case in point, Kate, who's my wife. Her mom, they had a policy that was like no soda, no treats, no nothing. They had like zero like snack food that McQuilkin would eat. And uh, so she picked her friends and made friends with kids that she knew <laughs> had good treats. Was it, Her whole hierarchy, whether or not she wanted to go over and play at somebody's house, was, was based purely Treat off of the day of treats availability. That's what I do with my bosses. Yeah. Huh. Right? Hey, <laughs> I'll, uh, let me see your house this weekend. Let me eat all the treats. But like, so like that was a hilarious conversation for us. Because uh, she told me that, and I was like, wow, that's so fucking weird. And she and uh, I was like, so even though your mom said here, like, your hierarchy of friendship was based off of, like, that. And I was like, wouldn't it make sense to be like, so, like, for things like, um, like, uh, it's summer, like, we buy popsicles. Like, but we get these, like, go pops that are real good. Like, I mean, dude, they're awesome. Uh, so they get popsicles. Like, she had those gluten-free, like, all-natural Oreo things, which I can't imagine if the kids had real Oreos, their fucking heads would pop off. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the hilarious part that the only way that they know whether or not the movie was good is whether or not they had popsicles. At the end of the day, like, when am I going to be some fucking weird well, Todd Morenovich much... kid that, you know? Like, yeah. Like, like Todd Morenovich, like, oh, he's never had a soda. And then the kid's taking heroin. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, you want your kids to be well-adjusted and be able to provide stuff. But at the end of the day, you don't want them to be Amish. Mm-hmm. You know? Which, what, what, maybe you have Amish listeners. Hang on. We don't. You can be Amish if you want. What? Why you give me that look? Uh, do they have technology? Technology? No. Whoa. Hang on. Yeah. Well, don't penguins. Penguins listen to podcasts. I embrace the Amish furniture. So uh, I think you, like, as a parent, you want your, your child to be, like, not like the forefront of these things, 
but like you don't want them like like I always think like um, the dating analogy I remember uh, years ago I, I, I remember uh, talking to a dad and um, God who was it fuck it'll come to me in a second but I remember uh, um, he had two daughters that were uh, kind of unattractive and I remember him nice. like you want that? I think. He, he like he like he didn't. He, he's like, yeah, it was uh, it was a little weird because um, like you don't want your daughter to be like the first one to date because then there's a whole bunch of other problems. But you also don't want your daughter to be like 17 or 18 and nobody's asked her out. Mm-hmm. So like he's like, you kind of want your kids to like not be the first one, but you don't want them like as a parent like, oh, my daughter will never date. Well, if the reason that she never dates is because she's unattractive and nobody asks her out, like how do you explain like, Oh dad, everybody got asked to the prom and not me. And you're like, Oh, it's fine. You can hang out with your dad and this. And like, how do you explain that one to him? Opposed from the girl who's like freshman in high school and some like 18 year old dudes fucking stalking her for a prom date. <laughs> and you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. So a senior asked you to prom as freshman. And you're like, uh, I don't know about that. What's his name? I'm calling my buddies. We're going to kick this kid's right. ass. But, but is that worse than the dad? Who's like, I don't know. 18 year old daughter question. who's never had a date. Mm-hmm. And you're like looking at her and you're like, ah, she's not very attractive. And like, even though you're like, Oh, you're beautiful. You're my daughter. You're still like, Oh, well, she isn't. You know. mm-hmm. So like, I think as a parent, you have this idea of like, you want your child to be not like, like, I don't want my kid at like seven years old with a cell phone, mm-hmm. right? Who has like, what do you mean? I have a cell phone and this and like, oh, you know, like the, like, the, like the forefront of technology. But I also don't want my kid at the back and being like, what are these buttons? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, you want your kid to be kind of somewhere in the middle, closer to the rear, but not too far where like they've seen it, they've been exposed to it. Like, um, we were, we went over to some, fr- uh, some friends of our kids house the other day and like the one boy, I guess they had gone and seen some, like, I don't know, maybe the dad, well, which is funny cause they're like seven. I had already seen like every R rated movie in the world because right. my brothers were older by the time I was seven. And so I guess he was telling the girls that he had seen an R rated movie and they were like, he's seen an R rated movie. I was like, no way. Really? Which one was it? And like, they hadn't seen an R rated movie. So like I don't necessarily know if my I want my daughters to be the first one to be like we saw an R rated movie sure. or like the ones that are like well you're seventeen yeah eighteen years old R rated movies or mm-hmm. sixteen you know like I want them to be somewhere normal yeah in that bell curve I guess well right. I, but I also worry too like I was thinking about for girls like some girls mature much faster than other girls mm-hmm. uh, that would be almost worse like what if your daughter's like you know like eighth grade and you're like oh my god like. Mm-hmm. My daughter looks like she's 21 at like 13 or 14 years old. Like that one, I would not want to deal with. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm hoping she looks 21 when she's 21. Mm-hmm. I hope she looks like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh fuck. So I guess kind of on that, we're same trend line, but different, uh, category. What do you hope? Or I shouldn't say hope, but like, what do you, how do you think the girls are going to end up, you think they're going to be in like sports and athletics in high school and junior high and stuff like that? What do you yeah. think is going to like, what do you, are you going to try and steer the ship? And I don't mean that in like a controlling way. No, but they, um, uh, they are very athletically. Yeah. Uh, right. Like, like they're all really good athletes already. Like, uh, they are, um, like, uh, like you see them in relationship to other kids like that. That's an interesting thing, too, because of where we live. We're kind of out here in the sticks and like we like we see other kids. And we go to these things, but, yeah, but see, not frequently. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like when we went over the other day, uh, seeing how much more physically, uh, I guess you could say, like athletically kind of gifted they are compared to other kids. Like they were like climbing on this thing and the fucking girls are doing like, you know, well, what these, about like, the swinging, busting, right? Like, yeah. 
No, yeah, they go do the buzz and muds and they almost won it. But like they were on this like jungle gym thing and doing these like backflips and like balancing on shit. And these other kids are just like can't get up there and like you know they could they got pull-ups so i think um the physical and then the funny part is the parents are like well you were a professional athlete and like you know your wife's like gifted athlete like you know we understand and i'm like Fuck, yeah man. but yeah but but yeah so it's um right so what i i want for them um um i was very fortunate to get to go to a really good school because of i really wish my grades got me there but they didn't even though i had good grades i, I got to go to berkeley and you know, the only way, only reason I got to go there and, you know, I really, like I said, I really wish my grades got me there, but it didn't was because I played football. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there is a lot of opportunity to play sports, which allows you to get places better. Bingo. So for me, um, and I tell them all the time, like I was doors are unlocked for me because my athletic ability and I, and you guys have the potential to do the exact same thing mm -hmm. so for me uh i will foster and develop and put them and hopefully i like i'm i'm not at like seven years old be like oh my daughter's gonna get a volleyball scholarship i want them to play all sports sure and i want them to find the one because i also found well like, number one I, I didn't really like football i just was good at football which means i ended up liking football mm -hmm. like it wasn't something where i was like oh i just went out there and i was pretty good at it and i tend to like it it's kind of like the age old like Hey, it's easier if you just like whoever likes you. Like my, my brother, Ed, who's dating advice is like, ah, oh, you can like a lot of girls, but it, it always ends up working out if one of them likes you. Like, like, which I always thought was just a kind of a funny piece, but it's the same thing. Like football just kind of liked me. It just was something I could do and I, it just kind of played into my strengths. So I ended up liking it. What so, I want them to do is I want them to find something that plays into their strengths that they feel good success in. Top two, because I was looking this up the other day. Top two this is on marketwatch.com odds of getting an athletic scholarship for women top two can we guess okay go for it women's crew yeah and women's lacrosse women's crew and horseback riding so you have jamie who oh, is super fucking lengthy <laughs> and then you have killy who will never abandon her love for horses uh it's so you are right now trending for two full ride scholarships if jamie you could just talk her into because i doubt she'll fucking like rowing but you'd be well, like uh, regatta we're talking six minutes so she's got to keep focused for six minutes uh, impossible <laughs> <laughs> she uh that uh that kid i so let's get I, her on the rower so uh, here's the funny thing. So glue her hands. <laughs> Jamie loved that rower. So my father used to strap me and lock me in the dude, rower. Uh, the other day, uh, I was sitting there listening to her. Like like they were like all like it was a, it was in the morning and they were like I think on Saturday morning I was letting them watch cartoons and I was sitting there trying to like work through some stuff and I was sitting at my computer and I like set a timer because I heard her talking and I looked and I was like I'm gonna hit the timer so when she debate, stops talking. Debate. Like Twenty <laughs> minutes. Nobody got in a word. She didn't even take a breath. And I'm like, that must be some world record. Like, if there was a scholarship for continuous talking, mm -hmm. she would win. I wonder where she gets that from, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's a burn. By the yeah. Way. Not a talk so, uh, and from honest, Bob So, I, like, truly, I, I understand that and appreciate the opportunities that athletics can unlock. Now, granted, I didn't get to take advantage of that, but it just fucking does. You see, like, John, you're a great case, uh, uh, case study on that. Now... Uh, what was, cause we're having August one and, uh, it's like, I fully intend to like red shirt preschool and kindergarten and do like the year, year behind hold yeah, yeah. because like that increases your aptitude tests. Like the older kids in their class have higher aptitude testing. They have higher academic scholarship odds and higher fucking athletic scholarship odds. And to me, it seems like a no brainer, but what I come to find out in like, uh, with a couple friends over the holiday 
one being Nate Dog, not Tamara, but Nate Dog. Um, they're like, why would you do that? Why would you do that for your kid? Number one, you're, prov- you're providing them every opportunity in the world. Why don't you impose hardship on them? And then number two is like, uh, that's really expensive. Like it, you have a whole other year of childcare you have to take into consideration. First of all. And I'm like, hang on, there's like a lifetime, there's a lifetime value curve here you have to analyze. But and, also you got to remember, um, Nate, um, one, he doesn't have kids. And two, he... Uh, well, he was bullied by older kids is what I got out of him. So well, he thinks that older, all older kids are bullies. It's not like... Um, like I'll, I'll just give you an example. So my older brother, Rob, is an August 8th baby. So he turned 18 uh, after he graduated uh, high school. Okay. So my brother, Eddie, was a September baby. He turned 18 as a freshman in college. Right. So they were both really young. Um, they, uh, didn't mature, like, so they were really late bloomers. If my mom had held them back, they would have had that year to mature and probably got a better chance to go play football. Right. So like, uh, like the fact well, that, who could, like, who knows, like, right. Like, first off, but. uh, my brother Ed started his first game in college at 17 years old. So he like uh, was in training camp, and I remember went to the game, and then he was September third. And for men, that year is like yeah, can be so, so significant. So so he was just physically behind, and then all of a sudden, when he was like eighteen years old and nineteen, like his maturity level was so much higher that like his thing was like because uh, I was a March baby, um, like they were always like, well, you had that whole extra half a year. Mm-hmm. So my mom's like, I should have held them back, but I didn't. And uh, because people didn't do it back then. Right. But like those guys would have had a greater opportunity and probably gone on. And because uh, um, my brother Rob still went to one uh, double A school, which was Idaho. My brother Eddie went to Cal Lutheran and then they went to the, the division three. But like they might have had a better chance sure. to play right. division one football like I did. So uh, those guys, it would have helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a, a advantage to that for people that are in sports to like to play that extra year. Yeah, that's that means getting busy in December because the girls are October, so they're like uh, already kind of naturally a yeah. year ahead. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So aspiring parents, it's November, December is when you want to get busy to do that red shirt year, right? Is that how the math works out? Yeah, I, I well, yeah, like. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can. Because you want August, like August, September yeah. time frame. Yeah, so the girls are early early October, October 6th. Mm-hmm. And then Cashy's a March baby. So, but uh, uh, I, the girls is interesting. Um, I'm really kind of fascinated on him. Like, oh, uh, that fucking bruiser? Um, he, uh, my little boy is such a fucking meathead. Well, I his odds it. for the top, you guys want to know the top three for male scholarships? Want to guess? PP Man? Creating your own superhero. (laughs) Zero. Nope. Um, Let's see. Tennis. uh, Baseball. Football. And I'm just trying to think of cheap sports, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of small schools that have it. So I'm going to throw basketball. So tennis, basketball, and baseball. Any guesses? No. Gymnastics, fencing, Ice hockey. Oh. So fencing is cashy sport now. And then football is number four. But uh, that kid's going to be a fucking bruiser. And what, my, what I'm b- banking on, just I'm guessing, I don't know, I'm, I guess I have That this. he takes uh, Sparky Summers to the prom? Oh, that's no problem. Uh, I oh, have this. the senior asking the freshman out. Hang All on. Right. I so, can't <laughs> wait. Yeah, I'm so excited when uh, I'm like, oh, Cash, you'll be like four you, years older than Sparky Summers. I envision Sparky to be kind of like a fire plug build. Like a rugby body, 
I just have this father's intuition. We'll see, because I'm hoping it's not like, uh, like, like you're saying, you kind of want to yeah. skirt on the lower edge to middle, but I just think rugby is maybe a potential in there. Huh? And that's number three for, for girls, female scholarships, oh. at least right now. Who the fuck knows what's going to change with college in the next 18 years? Who knows? Like, and just, man, that's interesting. Cause do, do you think that by the time like cash gets into the collegiate or like, I guess the secondary schools, university that there's a real, like it's possible that whole system could be, remodeled and gutted just with the way that we're trending with like student debt, yeah. student loan system, how the, the for-profit university. Yeah. I don't know. I, and just how like, I guess there's a, a divergence from technical, more technical style degrees, uh, like it can be self-taught online type deal, you know, versus like more classical and higher specialized degrees that you kind of need that in-person mentorship and education. Like, well, I, I think it's funny, like the Gary Vee's of the world, I told you, he, um, you know, like, oh, going to college is a waste. And, and, I think and like, it, I hear this, I'm like, did you go to college? Well, no, two things. Because it was pretty fucking awesome. Two things, like, yeah, like the, that's a pretty The experience broad, of going to college yeah, was pretty great. Pretty broad brush statement, right? Well, well and, and, and I, I've met people that are like, oh, uh, college wasn't for me. I'm like, so going and hang out with your buddies and, mm -hmm. you know, going to some parties, but yeah, that was good. I'm, no, I'm, I know what you mean because like, I can't, I understand the intent of the message, but I think that, you know, it's not providing a full answer, right? So if you want to be Gary V and all you can, and you, you think you are a true entrepreneurial spirit, networking is number one. Like that is it. Like you need, if you can build relationships, your education is irrelevant. And going back to kind of our discussion with Pat Ivy, which this is going to be time warp for some people, right? Cause Pat Ivy's in a few weeks. Um, what he got on and what he's trying to tell his folks over at, uh, in Louisville, right. Is like, appreciate the relationships you have the opportunity to make mm, because yeah. that's exactly what got him his gig. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. Like, I don't see me that in a negative sense. It's like he was capable and showed potential and developed relationships. And now he's in this like killer gig because when he got out of NFL, his strength coaches are like, you showed potential. You should do this. Like, yeah. And, and he also, he was super smart, man. He went back to his alma mater uh -huh. uh, and, you know, became a strength coach intern, got his sure. master's. And then as a strength coach, got his PhD and like all that was paid for. Like he went back and he worked the system the way that it should be worked. And my point is what I think. And the high Gary level of social v, intelligence. And like the cool thing to say is like, you don't need a college education to work the system. That's probably true. Yeah. However, Right. However, having like statistically, when you're talking about not necessarily these breakthrough, uh, innovative entrepreneurs aiming for disruption and funding, right. And you, which are very, like everybody wants to be that guy. But like yeah. when you're talking about, um, somebody who just is kind of under the bell curve and, uh, wants to get promoted from, uh, you know, like the junior desk to the manager desk, your fucking college degree statistically matters. Like it matters yes. where it came from, whether you have a, you know, what the degree is in when you provide a resume to a corporation, like they're going to take the fucking person with the degree, Yeah, you know? And then that's from what I understand now is like what's spinning up this whole college and student loan debt 
situation is let that's just happens to be the reality. And that's what parents are advising kids and banks are advising kids. And then kids get into these low paying jobs, but they're getting the promotion and they can't afford to fucking pay their loans or something. Like, it just seems like a very interesting loop that a lot of people are suffering from now that probably will be future leaders when cash and Sparky get into college well, who the, will make it a priority to change that. You well, know what I mean? The problem is, is that there's no recurring revenue model for the schools. Mm-hmm. So like, that's kind of where I was Donation, thinking like, well, right. like donations, but it's voluntary. So like, for example, like you go and you get your degree and then you go on and that degree holds and you pay for that degree. And the mm-hmm. reason that it's high is they're like, okay, let's say it costs you a hundred thousand bucks to go to school and you pay that money, you get that degree. Now I forever have that degree and yep. I can basically tread on this. And the school looks at it like, well, the only money I'm going to make off of you unless you do donations is the money you make today. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the problem is, is if there was some like recurring revenue model where it's like, you're going to pay to renew yeah. the, the certificate of your degree every five years for a couple, like, but what if it was like a thousand dollars a year that you went to school and you could go to Harvard for a grand a year, but then you're going to pay 2% of your income for well, the next 10 years. Right. And what we've ultimately done, like, so I, I feel like that's what the student loan system is right. Yeah. Except to the banks, to the, to the banks. banks, because and the schools aren't giving the loans, the banks, the way the tuition isn't regulated. So the school's only way to capture what yes. they could be getting off of this loan system is by raising their tuition, which then if, if the schools actually were the ones that loan the money, maybe, right. You know, like if they had endowments and the endowments were like, you know, paid out, like, mm-hmm. Hey, you could borrow money against the endowments. Then, so I, but my, I have no idea what the solution is. Like you're right, John. Like there's, but I, I feel like that disruption, like th- we're we're trending towards that space. Yeah, and then I guess keeping in tabs with my old head coach at my alma mater, the play in recruiting because it's a private university, so he's up against public schools, which are cheaper, Division three. So the play is the network that all of like but, my friends. But they don't the give scholarships, me, right? No. Uh, academic, yeah. But then the, the the network that you have to get a job right out of school. Mm-hmm. So basically, Marymount owns SAIC in in Washington D.C. Arlington area. So you're almost in line with different majors, business, and so on. Like I'm the health mm-hmm. contact. Nobody's gone down that track other than me. But then uh, just the connection. So he's selling this opportunity to get the internship, potential job, because yeah. so many guys stuck around the area that were successful. And that, So I got that. I do remember getting that pitch from, I, or maybe my old man, you know, because I had that neck condition and I didn't know if I was going to play college football. And my mom's talking about hanging it up and like I wanted to play. My mom was kind of against it. But my old man came in. He's like, well, you know, if he does get a chance to play team sports like that, it's kind of a fraternal uh, a fraternal yeah. group. So opportunities are likely, you know, if you have a, a boss that played football at this or a hiring manager who played football in the same conference, for example, maybe more likely to hire you just because you're a product of that conference or team or, you know, however you want to work through that whole taxonomy. Yeah. I believe it. No, I mean, it's, um, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I will forever be grateful uh, for not only the opportunity, but, um, you know, being able to do it. I mean, dude, if, uh, like, I, you know, listening to what Pat Ivey did, uh, so cool that he went back to his alma mater and was able to, you know, like, dude, that that was what I kind of imagined for myself. Mm-hmm. And it just, the detour that I took for 10 years didn't really kind of lend claim to it. And then, uh, but yeah, the, 
the opportunities you have through playing college sports uh, are just really high. I mean, like shit, I was watching Alex Morgan. I mean, she went to Cal. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing her on, you know, they, you know, women's world cup kicking ass sure. and like, you know, she's on like the cover of everything. I mean, she was always superstar, you know, when she was at Cal and has been a superstar ever since. Uh, but like she was there like Natalie Coughlin, um, you know, swimmer. I mean, there's all of these athletes and all these people that went to Berkeley that I'm connected to because of it. But like they're, they've all gone on and done very well. So I'm not going to go ahead. Uh, yeah, just I was on Jim Davis's Good Athlete Project, and the whole focus of that podcast, that episode we did, was on the value of the small school sports. So that's we jammed mm. for about ninety minutes on it. So if you look towards that Good Athlete Project podcast, go into depth because he was a D D three or and then created a lot of opportunity for him as well. But I mean, um, uh, like it's a sad realization. I remember the day that you know all of a sudden my pro football career ends. And like I was 32 years old and it had ended. I can't imagine like 18 years old and being like, well, I'm never going to really play in a, you know, like, uh, fuck, I like. So uh, that's like, kind of where I'm getting to. Do you think or do you know if, let's say it's not sport, but other club activities, whether it's I'm fucking mathlete, chess club, I don't know, uh, band or like, do, 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 does that same type of fraternal favoritism, we'll call it what it is, like. Does that exist in those groups? Student council and shit like that? Because that's one thing I like never... Like the Alpha Betas? Like the student... Alpha Betas? Yeah, don't you remember in the uh, <laughs> in the Greek council? No, I don't. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds? I Man, I haven't seen him forever. Uh, the Alpha Betas were like... Remember, it was the Trilams and the Alpha Betas, and they controlled the Greek council because they won the Greek Olympics? <laughs> God, you guys got to go back and watch it. I know. Intern, watch that movie. But does that exist for those groups? I can't speak to it. I think... Uh, um, whatever it like at the end of the day, man, like, um, you want your, you want your kids to be successful in like in what they want to be successful. in. I think there's this huge D you know, um, disconnect between his parents, like, Hey, this is what I think you should do. And then like, am I living vicariously through my child? I mean, we see this all the time. Whenever sure. we, we go to any of the sports things, these parents are so into it. And I'm always like, yo man, chill out. Like, like, believe me, your seven year old isn't getting ready to go play in the MLB. Like it's just. Uh, like it's just it, it's weird and I think a lot of these parents like see like hey I didn't make it here's my chance at retribution mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day man I just you know you really want your kids to just find something they like something they're good at and so that it increases their self value like I read yesterday that uh, a girl's confidence peaks at nine years old and if you can build up their confidence where like they feel like they can take on the world at nine years old and you've been this and like that will forever trail into them. So like my job as a parent is to empower them. I'm like, I tell them all the time. I'm like, you guys can do whatever you want. You guys are great at this. You have all these opportunities. Like I, you know, like whether, whether they ride horses or dance or do whatever they want to do. I, I like, I want them to feel uh, a ton of confidence that they're good at this and that we're proud of them and that they know that. And, uh, I want them to take on the world. Um, and the, but that's for, for girls. Whereas, uh, I think girls are a little bit different in that, you know, uh, we're always in this mindset with our daughters. We're like, don't hurt yourself. Are you okay? And like, we kind of coddle them, which you guys know, I do the exact opposite. Right. Which is Whereas, also my intent. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> yeah. is like the same thing I do with, you know, with the, with the boys or with my little boy, but like boys are just kind of naturally way different case in point we're at texas house we're shooting off fireworks and cashy is over there taking a leak off your side pretty close to where we're shooting off fireworks yeah it was pretty awesome right like we look over and there he is pants down pissing off the side thumbs up as we're shooting fireworks and the girls are like they're shooting fireworks over there he could get hurt 
Didn't even fucking cross his mind. <laughs> in fact, looks back at us, yeah. makes eye contact. And gives us the thumbs up as he's taking a leak with his pants while we're shooting off fireworks. America. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, like, uh, it's just like the type of, um, like, I, I think I, I told you guys this, uh, like, we really, like, focus on trying to get him to swim because he would just run and jump in the pool. And then once he got in the water, he remembered that he couldn't really swim. Mm-hmm. Whereas my daughters would be like, I can't, uh, like when they were his age, like they knew they couldn't swim. So like jumping in, they were like way more cautious. He will fucking literally just fucking dive headfirst in the water, come up. And then you see this like little bit of fear in his face. Like, oh fuck, I can't swim now. What do I do? So like we've like realizing that level of idiot because I was that same idiot. Uh, I didn't worry about the shit until after it happened. Like I've been like, we really got to focus on swimming. So we've been like busting our ass every day to try to get him to swim for the mere fact that like, if you're going to be dumb, you or if you're going to be that that type of person, it's my job to arm you with as much technique and skill so that you survive. Like I'll, I'll go back with the day brewer. If you're going to be dumb, you better be hard. That was <laughs> right. So that's what I was getting to. Yeah. So, but it, it's just kind of funny, man. Like, uh, um, like the like it, there's just such an innate difference between little boys and little girls that it just. It just makes me laugh, dude, every single day. Like, uh, um, my daughters will be like, they'll, they'll, they have these like heightened senses of like what they want to eat. Oh, I don't like that. I'm like, what do you mean you don't like that? You've never had this. No, I don't like that. Cashy's only barometer, whether or not it's good is whether or not dad's eating it. Is dad eating it? I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hilarious. He's like, what, you know, I was eating what, like, uh, um, uh, buffalo and rice, and he was like, buffalo and rice. I'm fucking going with their crushing. Kate's like, he likes it. I'm like, he likes whatever dad eats. Mm-hmm. The girls, on the other hand, are like, oh, I don't know if they like I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, get out of here. So it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting um, exercise in humanity to have kids. Do I think it's for everybody? No. Um, do I think everybody should do it? Of course. But should everybody really? I mean, no. It's, um, but it's fun. And uh, I try to remember that, like, at the end of the day, like, if, we, if you're not having fun doing it, then, like, why are you doing it, you know? You got anything, Tex? Well, I guess switching to the, the team culture, we, we talked a lot about the home, and you referenced Andy Reid and how he dialed it in and prepared outside his home. And uh, so what about our, our coaches out there that have to now take other products of other households and aim to mold young men and women, high school coaches, college coaches? What's, what's some things that they should look to do um, I think, uh, kids today, and I think Pat Ivy brought that up, uh, can spot fakes really quickly. I think before, you know, kids might've been a little slower, but I think with just the amount of opportunity that people have with through social media and just the amount of information coming in, kids are fucking sharp, man. They are really, really sharp. Uh, their ability to like sense danger and, and frauds and this is really high. Like they have like a proverbial spider sense. And so if that's the case, and kids know frauds when they see them, then don't be a fraud. Like, you got to live the code. Like, he was talking about, like, hey, man, I'm still going to show up and go lift weights with those dudes because they need to see that. You know, the, the, the old days of the, you know, out-of-shape ball coach who, you know, takes two steps and looks like he's going to, like, hack up, a, you know, a, a pork chop are kind of finished because kids are going to be like, well, your fat ass can't do it. And uh, I think it's a situation where... You know, kids today uh, want to see somebody lead from the front. They don't want just something, you know, the, I mean, dude, I, I told you, man, for years, my analysis or my, my definition of coach was person who stands in the heat and yells at me while I work. And that's why, like, I've never really liked this whole coach. Whenever people are like coach, like, I still cringe. We're like, hey, thanks, coach. I'm like, Ugh. 
because to me, coaches were dudes in shorts who were out there screaming at us in the heat while we were out there working. And they were over there sweating. And I remember like my boys pissed me off when the coaches always ran over there and grabbed the water first. I'd be like, fuck you. You don't have all this fucking gear on. I realize. And you know what? You're fucking out of shape. And, uh, you know, Tom Cable was, you know, fucking big dude and uh, dude Cabe's fucking condition. And he's like, yeah, um, I know you guys are out here suffering and I'm going to be here every fucking step of the way. And uh, he was the type of dude where it was like, if you give me these pads, I would have fucking been out there, but I don't get to have pads anymore. So I think for a lot of the strength coaches and a lot of the people uh, that we put in the situation, a lot of it lead from the front. Um, there are, you know, and when we've worked in the few space with these, you know, PE coaches where like, they're like, I can't do anything. I might die. And you're like, well, then how are you supposed to motivate these kids? Like, like how am I supposed to talk to my kid about health or fitness or training or this, if, if, if that's not what I do. And so I think the days of being disingenuous are over. I think the days of like, you know, me, t- you know, uh, uh, me telling a kid what to do, that is something that I can't do and won't do are fucking finished. I, I think the days now when the kid shows up and the fucking strength coach is in there fucking burying people, I think that to me is really the, uh, is going to become the new norm. Yeah, you just got to learn how to earn it. And I think that the authentic, the authentic approach is... W- absolutely paramount but adaptability i think as well um and no universal message or anything like that i, I think it's just you're gonna have to earn it because we used to show up as kids like well this person's in charge well now like you said kids are perceptive they have maybe a higher social intelligence where uh, and they don't while they have a higher social intelligence, they're still just idiots. So like they don't have the social intelligence as well to like temper their maybe, I don't want to call it like lack of respect or anything, but like they may have a doubt on an adult or a a coach or a leader and they like, it's a warranted feeling and they'll just fucking question it right there. Like how are you going to handle that as a coach perhaps? Um, Especially if they've never been taught to just filter some of these thoughts. Right. So I don't know. I, I do not envy. I do not envy like high school coaches and high school fucking educators right now yeah. because there's, uh, and didn't, you know, you brought it up this up a while back. It was totally different subject matter, but like, uh, like almost like an artificial maturity that stems from just a hot, like being exposed to more advanced content, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And now you have young well, people who have, who, Ex, like portray a maturity, but it, that isn't substantiated by like the it, thought uh, process. They're just doing repeater shit of it all gets back into this like um, deal I read on like they call like the sexualization of children that like there was this whole thing and it basically started with like the Calvin Klein uh, is where they really did it was like remember when Calvin Klein like changed the whole modeling thing and it was all these like kind of young androgynous uh, like um, kind of Lolita like young looking girls that were like 18 years old but they could have been 12 or 14 or something Maybe, and so like, like like that whole Calvin Klein modeling thing was like this huge change and then of course like that became uh, this just kind of movement and they call like the sexualization of children and like I remember Amber Crombie yeah like Amber Crombie did the same thing and then like you notice that like it just it it it, like there's if you if you do a google search on it's pretty interesting and and the reason for I don't know where it fucking comes from but like I think what it is is that uh you know well, I'll just give you this example. Like, uh, people are like, oh, kids, they are growing up so fast. But then I made the intern watch Almost Famous, which was uh, the story, you know, the dude, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, and like the bands and like you go through that whole movie and, you know, like those kids were like 15 years old and those groupie girls, like the band-aids were like 
15, 16 years old. And so, like, these girls were, like, traveling around with rock bands. I mean, like... This, Cam- Cameron Crowe. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. But yet, like, if you read the stories of... Uh, there was, like, Mick Jagger and all these old rock stars. Like, they had, like, 15, 16-year-old girlfriends whose parents uh, signed custody over to the rock stars so they could travel around the world with them. Like, if you ever read, like, the... the um, like the dark secrets of rock and roll, like Robert Plant's girlfriend was also Mick Jagger's plant. I mean, like, so like that whole band aid thing, like those girl, like that existed. And like, that's back in the sixties. Well, sixties. That was in the seventies. So like, can you imagine a 15 year old kid writing for Rolling Stone, traveling around with all these, like, you know, and then we're like, Oh, the sexualization of children. I'm like, well, uh, like it just was completely, mm-hmm. it just, it's a, it, I think what it is is that every generation looks at every previous generation as being like, oh, they're out of control. So more, you know, this, and then you realize, like, hundred uh, percent. I, I, I kind of do feel bad for the high school coach now. I remember a story from one of my old ball coaches, and he, I guess, just had a moment of expressing some frustration with the with the football players, and he was like, uh, he felt bad or he didn't know what to do because we had like a. a skirt rule in high school it had to be like x amount of inches close to your knee and if it wasn't in that range then like you had to go you know yeah. go to detention or yeah. change your gear or whatever so then he was like well i got my classes started third period so i got these girls coming in pushing that line if i say something i'm looking at their skirt if i don't say anything and they get caught in fourth period on then i get in trouble for not saying anything so he's like i just like showing us that oh god like yeah. so what, what is going on so what girls used to do and i a uh, girl i dated went to a catholic school that had that the girls used to roll the skirts mm-hmm. so they would roll them up so the shirt skirt was short and then what they would do is like if uh, they would just like unroll it and pull it back down and like roll and like that was how they played the game with that because what they would do is they would measure it off of the knee so it was yeah. like, it could only be and the teacher would take rulers and they'd be like oh hold on they'd pull yeah, it we down were, and they would we roll were it public school so it was like I don't know. yeah our rule like the big thing with girls was mid-drift. So the mid-drift was banned at uh, old Naperville Central High School back in my high school days. So if a girl's belly button was showing, like, to the office, they'd have to wear their gym gear. Wow. Yeah, we, we had no facial hair, so I understood, I guess, later on why we had these rules, because then if somebody's able to spot, oh, that guy's got facial hair, he's not a fucking student here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, it's fucking uh, stranger danger. Like, all these rules are in place for, like, the stranger danger stuff. You know, which makes sense. I get, oh, yeah. I yeah. I mean, like, I, I get it. And, like, here's the other thing, too. Like, people are, like, up in arms about all this stuff. I'm like, all right. Like. Shave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wear short. <laughs> wear, wear a longer skirt. Like, it just, like. It's kind of like uh, like the weird CrossFit videos where, like, they got, like, the kids training and the girls are wearing, like, booty shorts and sports bras. And, I'm, and like, uh, I see it. But then, like, I take my girls to gymnastics and that's what all the girls wear. Like, it's not really that big a deal. But vault, like the volleyball team. Yeah. And the volleyball girls and that like it's just like so like and then I just remember when they had like some CrossFit stuff, people were like losing their minds. And I'm like, you guys never went to a gymnastics like I, it's it's people. Um, and I forgot what the term is, but like, is it called outrage culture where people are searching for re- for things to be outraged on? Uh, that was a Jordan Peterson of like, you know, this like outrage culture where people are like scanning the internet and looking around for something to, to be, be outraged, to be offended for by someone else. Yeah. Uh, that has nothing to do with them. I'm offended by this and I'm like, ah, it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, will, will it affect me one day? Like that, um, you know, like, am, am I going to tell my daughters like, like, would I be weird if my daughters were filming like weird CrossFit videos at like, I'd be like, ah, just not appropriate. 
Like mm-hmm. just fucking not appropriate. Like, and I see shit all the time that's inappropriate. And, uh, but, uh, they're, they're the parents. They're the people that have to make that decision. Am I going to be fucking outraged? No, I just won't do it in my household. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's fucking like it blows it like this there. I've, I've never in my life seen a time where people are more outraged by what other people are doing instead. And it's almost a way to like, not focus on myself. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm outraged by this. I'm outraged by this. I'm like, um, I just don't fucking care. It doesn't affect me. Like it just fucking blows my mind. Like, I mean, I only want to be outraged by the shit that I see that directly affects me. And, um, you know, being, you know, outraged on skirt length and all these other things. I'm like, yo man, like, uh, like not everybody, you know, like if you go to Europe and you go to a beach and you see topless, you know, people would lose their minds, but like, or or Barton Springs pool (laughs) or like, I remember the first time we went to Brazil, um, I remember like grandma, mom, and daughter are all wearing the same string bikini. Right. It was hilarious. Like, we're like, I remember seeing these, like, like the mom who was probably in her like late twenties, daughter was like five or six. And the grandmother was probably in her forties or fifties. were all wearing the exact same string, the bikini G string looking thing. And they were all walking on the beach. And I remember like the little girl butt hanging out, grandma's butts hanging out and mom. And I'm thinking like, like uh, nobody else is outraged. Who am I supposed to come as an American? Be like, I can't believe that they're doing this. Like it's fucking Brazil. Like that's just, like, that's the part, like, that's Brazil. Isn't there a Fast and Furious quote like that? This is Brazil! See? <laughs> yeah. So, like, that thing of, like, uh, I, I think just, um, I always think when people are outraged like that, I'm like, you should travel more. Most of those people are on Facebook and have never been out of the United States. Like, I just saw a statistic the other day that the average American has visited no more than eight states. Yeah, go to India. Or, yeah, let's get stranded in Istanbul overnight. Mm-hmm. That will apply some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Go to, go, go to Brazil... And you will all of a sudden, like you think like you've seen poverty, like I've never right. seen poverty like you see in India, or you see in Brazil and like, yeah, South America, yeah, South America, America. Oh, countries. Shit. Yeah. Sure. And then people are like, oh, it's so t-. I'm like, shit, man. It's um, but it's it's uh, we live in strange times. And I think the the and I uh, dude, I said it yesterday, man, when I remember the Internet started, I remember having this idea that like people were going to be like so interconnected, like the changing and the exchange of ideas was going to like hyper jump society. And then I realized that people just wanted to fucking send cat memes. But it did at the same time. It I think did. that um, with the sweet came the sour, right? Yeah. I, without, without the kinetic connectivity, quote unquote, we have now, like, it would take fucking longer to do things. But then at the same time, so uh, it presents all this free time where we don't have a constructive, like, we don't have a constructive backfill of the time we're saving. Well, that, but Didn't they say the same thing about the train? But maybe <laughs> so. So what's interesting on the Internet, man, and this is like uh, like I see things all the time where I'm kind of surprised. But like you guys remember um, Alexandria Lachance? Sure. Yeah. yeah so she uh, um, she like I follow her on Instagram and she posted up something, I guess, like she posted some video and she's like Olympic weightlifter now. It's like a high level gymnast. Um, we used to, I think, do some stuff with her for your power athlete. But she uh, posted something and I guess some troll basically called her fat or like fucking ripped on her body or something. And so, uh, yeah, (laughs) so she had this whole thing, which was like this honesty of, of, uh, yeah, like if you read it, like somebody like uh, throw back to this, this, is this the post? Yeah, it's the post. A random one. Wow. And, uh, evidently, uh, she posted this whole thing about all these eating disorders that she had. She was like bulimic, anorexic is like trying to like become a smaller gymnast for her sport and like went through this whole thing about it. And like, I was like, man, um, 
thank you. Like, uh, I'm so glad that you have gone through these trials and tribulations and been through the fire, but the fact that you needed to share that because of some fucking asshole. Yeah, some people don't deserve that no, info about you. Not everybody deserves everything. And uh, mm-hmm. like, but then maybe sharing makes you feel better too. Like that's where maybe like, it's, I'm, it's I'm therapeutic. It's therapeutic, and maybe it helps other people. Which you know, good on her. And she's always been super switched on and always appreciated everything she's done. Uh, I just think at the end of the day, fucking people are assholes and people are mean. And forever, people will always throw rocks at fucking shiny things. Mike, it's just the fucking way it works, man. People always want to tear down pretty things and always want to throw rocks at fucking shiny things. And there's always going to be fucking assholes. And like, I always wonder, like, if if forever I'm the person at home who's fucking like the sight of a girl who's out there fucking living her life and doing all these things, like, like I have to create some fucking phony, you know, troll account to fucking bash them. Like, that's just fucking, mm-hmm. it feels, I need to fucking put a gun in my mouth. So on that note and referencing back to earlier about let it, allowing your daughters to do something they enjoy. So my sister had a golf scholarship and that's my dad's jam to Texas A&M as a freshman in high school, but then quit the sport essentially because she was beating all the, the boys on the team and they were giving, giving her too hard a time. So lost all enjoyment for the sport, but then was a really good artist. So got to go to school for that. But it was like, um, to, I don't know. She's, fell out of love with what she was really good at. And I don't know. Because but the, of assholes. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, same, same thing happened to my wife. She was a real high-level soccer player. And uh, she always told me, she, so she came in and started as a freshman. And the older girls were so mean to her because she was better than them. And she's like, uh, whereas boys, on the other hand, like if you're better, like, oh, this is going to make us better. <laughs> not, not in the school. But not with girls. Where like now it's like you're better than me, so now it's a reflection of how good I'm not. Yeah, and like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. That's, that's a really interesting thing. Like, I just remember, uh, you know, any dude that was pretty good, I was like, fuck, like, the best players play makes us better, mm-hmm. you know? And iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron, whereas girls are like, she's better than me, but it's just going to make me look worse. And, like, there was a whole deal with that. And I remember my wife being like, it was really hard. Girls were really fucking assholes. They were real mean. And she's like, I, I didn't know how to not be my best, and I didn't know how to play, and, like, I just figured, like, the best player plays in this, but girls are way different. And navigating that as girls is different. And I was always like... I, I don't know what to tell you on that. Like, dudes are just different. You suck. I'm going to tell you, you suck. And she's like, yeah, but girls can't do that. They have to, like, play hard. And then, oh, you did, you know, she's like, it's just way different. And I'm like, well, that's why we're going to raise. Yeah, who knows? But, yeah, man, I, I feel like I just saw that. And I thought to myself, like, dude, I, I wouldn't give that fucking troll the time of day. And on top of it, like, uh, you know, just because somebody feels that they should fucking rip something down. I'm like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Go do something. Or at least fucking put your name on there. Put your name out there and be the fucking individual. It's like, no, I said it. But it's always some fucking coward hiding behind some fucking, you know. Uh, private. Private or uh, some fucking shell account mm-hmm. because they don't have the fucking balls to do it. I wouldn't say it always is, but typically is. Jesse Gray comes to mind. <laughs> Why? Uh, he's not hiding under danger. Town. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's, no, he's yeah. out there and he's saying it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and like, you know, and I appreciate that. Like, but at the end of the day, man, like, um, I like shit, dude, they're, uh, I mean, cause I, as you guys know, like I see things and the only things that bother me are the disingenuous ones. Like if I see something that's fucking phony or fake or if I, you know, and you guys see like on, on social media Hustle. where, where like some, like it's disingenuous. Like, I, I will forever support anybody that's, you know, within honesty. It's just when I see shit that's disingenuous, I'm always like, oh, my God, dude. Like, is this a fraud? Like, uh, or, and do people believe this? And people yes. do. And I think, like, 
at, at the end of the day, uh, um, you know, you hope that people are honest and true and this and, you know, but uh, unfortunately with the, with the, you know, social media and a lot of these things, you can fabricate anything. You know, I always go back to that Kino body guy. You remember where he ripped off the uh, American psycho sure. and, you know, the fasting and the, and fuck, I'm sure the guy fucking crushed it on mm-hmm. that. But like, do I really believe that there's some like magical thing that happens when you fast? No, it's a fucking cool way to caloric restriction, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but these Mac, you know, these changes in your body and, you know, it's like it's proven science. Just because you say it's proven science doesn't mean it's proven science. Proven. Facts, dude. Proven, proven science. Facts. So what else you got? Anything else? Nothing. I'm good on my list. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, having me. And oh, you're as welcome. always, I, I enjoy being mm-hmm. uh, a guest on the Premier Podcast and Strength Condition. Well, thanks for coming. Ing, ing, on, on, on. And no, no ons. That's it? Yeah. That's, that's another it. episode. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and germs. Should we just do that? Was a good warm up. Should we go again? Yeah. Power right. Athlete Nation. Just- what is up? Did the intern catch it all, or did he I miss it again? I think that we had environmental issues. I think the camera got too hot. You know why? Because it's hot in here. It's fucking <laughs> hot up in this bitch. All right, I'm good. Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye John. Bye. See you. Drop on. Drop on. Drop Now it's time for you to empower your performance. While it pains me to encourage the ing, 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 because it is annoying, ing, 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 I don't remember how many ings that is, but the shirts are going to be dropping for the podcast shortly on shop.powerathletehq.com, so make sure you check that out. And while you're there, check out the symposium. Get your tickets now for the 2019 Power Athlete Symposium in Austin, Texas. Looking forward to seeing you, and until next time, bye!